0: Hi, Eddie here. Red and I have used Zencaster to record all of our episodes of Punk Rock Elite because it's easy, browser-based, and it gives us separate tracks that are easy for me to edit. It can also be used for 4K video too, maybe we'll try that one day. It's really easy to use, it can do a lot of the editing for you, clipping out your ums and ahs, and adding an EQ to bring out the best in your voice, all from a single website. If you want to make a podcast but aren't sure how to go about it, then Zencaster provides everything you need to record, edit, and distribute your new show to Spotify, Apple, and a ton of other places that people get their podcasts. Go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use our code PUNKROCKELITE and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Punk Rock Elite, a podcast about no effects. I promise... This is the last episode about Home Street Home for a while.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, we've just uh, we've just sat through a week long interval.
0: We have done, yes, that's true, and um, and so once we're out the other end of this, we won't talk about it again for a while. We couldn't leave it hanging, Eddie, yeah. it,
1: it does sound like there's a a tone of regret <laughs> in your voice. Do you know what? There isn't because I really enjoyed.
0: I've really enjoyed the discussion we had last week and indeed the one that we're going to listen to this week. I think they're great. I think it might have been a bit too musical theatre for who I'm going to refer to as our core audience.
1: Well, it, it requires a little bit of homework, doesn't it? Home street homework,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, And I understand if you didn't want to sit down through two hours of musical theatre just to understand... The punk podcast that you listen to, I get I, that is, I understand. <laughs> it would be like if um, the traitors' companion podcast suddenly went, and you will need to watch MasterChef this week, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, this is going to make no sense. Um, and then acted as if you were experts in it as much as they were. I, I
1: understand. But we'll, also, uh, you know, we need to congratulate those. Those of us that have made it and have made it to the second part of this musical discussion
0: absolutely agree on that one as well um but we've got to
1: we've got also yes yeah, so how, how have you been home street homicide <laughs> yeah no i'm 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 all good thank you i think i've I've recovered from our um our musical theater bender yep um, That's what which... I used to get called at school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's been great. And I think like, um, I'm really glad that we've done these two episodes to like, uh, I think getting Kate on as a guest has been a really good idea. Yes. And like, you know, obviously she has so much more knowledge on musical theatre than, than we have, certainly that I have. Mm. Oh, same, 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 same. No, um
0: no, absolutely. I'm I'm just uh, it's just uh, funny because I get to see all of the uh, all of the numbers that these episodes do. And it it hasn't been a huge reduction in um in listenership also. I'm generously thinking that some people might be looking for a time to actually watch it before they listen to them.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's how I would do it.
0: Because listening to an album for half an hour that's easier to fit into your life, isn't it, than um we don't recommend watching Home Street Home when you're driving, for example, or <laughs> anything like that. So, you know, it's easier to fit a half-hour punk album into your life than it is a two-hour um, video to watch. So, yeah, we appreciate that. Have you been uh, enjoying it? Let us know. Punk Podcast at Gmail dot com. We've got some more actual punk-related information to uh, to give out or announce. Oh, yeah. I suppose. I suppose just a little announcement. This morning, the morning that we're recording this, Manchester Punk Festival did a big announcement. They did announcing the uh, the lineup, but they've already done the lineup, Eddie. No, not that lineup. The lineup that matters: the poetry, comedy, and podcast stages, <laughs> um, all taking place at Sandbar over the weekend of Manchester Punk Festival which is the uh, 29th to the 31st of March, I have it on good authority that there are fewer than 10% of the tickets
1: left. Yeah, really not many at all. If you are planning on going, do go buy your tickets ASAP, please. Absolutely. Because just the, I mean, the amount
0: that you get to have a look at, they're all indoors, There are the Union, Guerrilla, the Breadshed, Yes, Zombie Shack, Rebellion and Sandbar. All of those venues. So seven venues. Uh, Sandbar is where all of the sort of non-musical stuff is happening. But six music venues happening concurrently for three days. So much, so much cool stuff. So and the good thing is, is that we can actually just go right ahead. And read out all of them and it won't take very long so on the poetry stage which is organized by henry raby uh we've got ben eldred henry raby james domestic live winter
1: sophia khan shannon o'neill and thick richard thick richard's great as well like one of my absolute favorites he's very very almost booked for the comedy stage as well it's a Um, it's a great name Um, yeah he's great yeah so that's
0: good so that's the poetry stage that'll be happening uh the comedy stage um they've listed them in alphabetical order and used one of my least favorite headshots of me but that's my fault um we've got no money in the bank former guests goodness me they're going to be on alex camp ali bryce former guest uh televisions amy gledhill Mm -hmm. we've got beth televisions bethany black uh, Eddie French, that's me. We've got Jack Kelly, James Meehan, Jenny Hart, Justina Cecil Kate, Katie Mitchell, Red Redmond, Rob Mulholland, Sully O'Sullivan,
1: oh, former guest, and Tony Um and, and, the- and also, to, just to avoid any confusion, the Katie Mitchell that's on <laughs> the comedy lineup is Nottingham stand up comedian Katie Mitchell and not the the guest of this podcast episode, Kate Mitchell. Who is my fiance and a different person?
0: Yes, but also on the socials, she does go by Katie Mitchell. So yeah,
1: Because that is her real name as well. Very confusing. Her
0: real name is Katie.
1: Yeah. With a Y.
0: Oh, oh wow. I've never heard of that.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's pretty exciting.
0: I wouldn't say exciting, it's it's unusual. <laughs> um but but yes, Katie, this is K A T I E Katie K-T Mitchell. Mm-hmm, um yeah. yes, you will notice her because she is underneath an awful lot of lovely hair. Uh, oh yeah, she is goth, but we have given a a, a diplomatic um, passport for the punk festival.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh,
0: it's good. It's like a, a united subcultures of Benetton around here. So, uh, and then we've also got uh, the podcast stage. So we've got yes. uh, Danny Barrett. will be doing that. Oh, former guests. There we go. Uh, the Hello and Hoof. Uh, which is part of the, which is related to Horn and Hoof Records. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Midlife Punk Podcast. Uh, oh, former guests. So Tom and Nile are going to be doing uh punk university challenge or something like that. It's going to be doing <laughs> that a big quiz. Cool. Yeah, yeah. They got they got two teams uh, all ready, and they're going to be doing uh, a little uh, a little quiz for their bit. Uh, Pretty on the inside, which is about uh, women in DIY movements. Uh, I'm led to believe DIY music rather than b and q home depot but you know we support all of those things anyway uh, diy in general not the the big box stores anyway uh oh punk rock elite we've been on this show uh, <laughs> and vandal factory which is uh henry raby of um of the uh, poetry stage so tons of stuff and that right that is just the talking bit if you mm-hmm. want to see the actual lineup, I'm not going to read it all through, but the big headliners, Hot Water Music, A Wilhelm Scream, Piss Jeans, Tsunami Bomb, King Prawn, Martha, Random Hands, Scream, The Barstool Preachers, Grade 2, Johnny Foreigner, Witch Fever, Popes of Chillytown, Cheekface, The Planet Smashes, and dozens more, including our friends Blagged. Hello, Blagged. Um, all sorts of uh, people are in there, and it is proper, proper exciting. We're... Were Latchkey kids there as well?
1: I, I, I believe
0: so. I think they are. There's so many great people on. And uh, inc- I mean, just for the name, I'm going to see Meryl Streak.
1: Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that I- I've seen like that some of their stuff online and it's it's quite interesting.
0: Okay, well, there's plenty of stuff going on here. You're going to have a great time. So go to Manchester Punk Festival if you have the opportunity it's going to be great. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. That was, that was just <laughs> I was just needed a needed a breath. Um cool. should we pop to the theater? Should we pop to the theater? I think we should pop to the theater. Um just before we do, I'm mm-hmm. just going to say keep an ear out for 2 days time, Valentine's Day when we will be gifting you with a special announcement. Um no, you can wait two days. We'll, we'll just, we'll just tell you exactly what is going on in two days' time. It'll be well worth it. But yes, we'll, uh, we need to go back in. Oh, we've just heard the announcements. Tonight's performance oh. will be continuing in two minutes. Two minutes. So we better shuffle back. Because <laughs> I've got these long legs and I hate having to shuffle past people when they're already sat down. It's just Oh, it's awful. So let's get ourselves comfy and watch the rest. Well, you're just in time. We're back for act two of Home Street Home. We've, uh, we've, got our, we've been to the lavatory. We've all uh, drunk uh, warm champagne from plastic glasses, talked about how marvellously innovative it was and how really good it was and how we definitely would invest if our money wasn't tied up in other projects right now. But we're really hoping that something <laughs> great will happen to it. Yeah, definitely. So we've got another bag of revels, and we're going to sit back down for act two we'll just go over what happened um we were introduced to a group of street punks who live in a squat called the slut hut they are hustlers buskers um uh, thieves uh dumpster diver gutter punk types they uh encounter a young woman uh a young woman a girl by the name of sue who has run away <laughs> from her abusive family and uh, we've discovered that her dad is a copper um he was very bad to her for a very long time she's run away he's also the copper that seems to bother the local punks so that probably won't matter nothing nothing bad will come of that so then uh sue has been offered the chance to stay with them she says no and then yes uh she's been given a bit of a crusty makeover and she has um has been accepted because she likes cutting herself and the prospect of uh, violent sex after getting away from a life of violent sex. We've gone through all of this and, uh, and just how uh, baffling it does feel in the first half. Um, so she's just accepted her street name, Suicide. They had a big song and we're coming back from the interval right now. Uh, but with me, uh, as always, Red Redmond, hi. Hello. Oh, yeah. And uh, special guest, musicals expert, Kate Mitchell. Hello, Kate.
2: Hello. Musicals expert. It makes you laugh whenever you say that because I feel like a fraud.
0: <laughs> well, we feel like a fraud ever since we put out a podcast called Punk Rock Elite. So don't worry about that. We're all, <laughs> fraud. yeah. Um, so uh, So, yeah, no, that's all good. So we open up act two. Uh the fatales berate the audience for returning, uh, saying <laughs> that they are um big old purvos for coming back to have a look at more of the big sad uh and all of the dreadful stuff, which is um it's having your cake and eat it, isn't it? So yeah, we
2: come back. Very avenue cue that though, that's kind of like it almost insulting yeah. of the audience because of the what they call the bad something bears, bad. I've got I've not looked that up at all, and I should have done, but that kind of having a bit of a go at the audience. Oh, and just oh, yeah. before we launch into it again, um, just the same trigger warnings as last time. It doesn't get any better. Oh, yeah. uh, so yeah. just those trigger warnings surrounding um, uh, sexual assault, sexual violence, uh, suicide, um, violence, sexual harassment, just the same. the same ones again that were in the first one, but just in case anyone is just listening to Act 2, I just wanted to flag yeah. them at the top.
0: Yeah, if you if you have no interest in how this started but want to see how it ends, yeah, it's uh, yeah trigger <laughs> warning for all the bad. Um, so uh, so we have, uh, Mom and Sue have spent, we, oh, we come back, we're a month later, okay? So they say they that Sue has been in the slut's hut for a month. So four Earth weeks have passed since Sue first got her name Suicide, okay? So Mom and Sue have spent the last month fucking and dying Sue's hair, which leads to what I consider to be the most musical-like song in the show. Uh, They're at it again. It feels really musical. It's got that jaunty, bouncy kind of uh, piano-y feel to it. And I I do, again, a lot of the time when we say this song is good, we are taking out all of the context of what it actually means in real life. But the actual song works really really well in that the rest of the slots are incredibly bored by the fact that mom and sue are doing loads and loads of bondage and have been for what feels like a month well what has been a month so they're at it again which i really like as a uh, as a song
2: yeah it's a really good opening to act two as well it kind of comes back in it really solidifies us with where we are it gives us um great insight into relationship it also does a little bit of passage of time stuff which is quite um quite exciting because nothing in the musical has kind of done that yet it's all been a little bit sort of like we feel like this here's a song to contextualize this whereas this is actually doing a bit of storytelling and pushing a bit of narrative along and we get a load of context from it and people are talking about like oh well we felt like this for weeks and so it's it's a quite a clever musical song in that it's doing a few different things, um, and yeah, I quite liked it. I thought it was quite quite punchy, uh, quite upbeat. It's kind of everything you want from a opening of act two song. What I do question is a sudden pink hair. That just that was a bit like, oh, your hair's suddenly pink, and like I know the fatals make a joke about it actually, which I think mm. helps helps it along. Um, but given that in act one we're talking about the fact that we've got no money and we don't have any resources and we don't have anything like that and we don't focus on anything like that the the vibrant pink hair is like well that takes a lot of maintenance that actually so how are you doing that because girls i know we've got pink hair can't do that and they've got taps and disposable income so i just think the pink hair thing is like oh that's a lot and then it made me think about the logistics about all of that
0: well, to be maybe fair, that's a neurodivergence well I mean, I mean yeah it is it, you can ask that question but also PD has a perfectly shaped pink mohawk throughout the entire thing the same shade of pink I think we're also told yeah. that Sue is, Sue has become a really really gifted shoplifter so maybe she's just nipped into wherever and and half inched a load of pink hair dye and you know pd was getting it from somewhere but then pd's turning tricks i think sue's job which we find out fairly quickly sue's job is she goes out shopping for everyone and gets them the stuff they need um and is rich re- re- just she loves theft oh she's,
2: she's- gone right round and she she's a right bad girl now she's gone she's from getting- all being all sweet and innocent and now she's right bad
0: she is basically what it is. They've given her two personality, three personality traits. She likes uh, bondage sex, drugs, uh, capital D drugs, as we mentioned last time, because everyone just loves to be on a drug, whichever one is going. That as all of them is their favourite, and uh, shoplifting, <laughs> um, and then and then to make her two dimensional, they've made her an artist as well. Musicals are. St- strapped for time, and very often we get two-dimensional characters in there. And what's quite, I think, one of the appeals of musicals, as we were talking about with Theatre Kids and the to- and the like, is that because you've got such two-dimensional characters, you can hang the third dimension on them yourself to help <laughs> I- identify <laughs> yeah, yourself. Sure. It's, it's, they're a placeholder. It's the Mary Sue kind of thing uh, in that you can just go, Ah, and I imagine they probably like all the things I do as well. I am such a suicide, um, but you should meet my yes. friend. She, <laughs> she, she is such a trashly. Honestly, she really yeah. is always bunging tampons at the audience. That's what. But, and, that, <laughs> and so, to to level this accusation at Home Street Home without acknowledging that it is a, uh, a not a tradition, but in fact mandatory in the world of musicals, would be unfair. But it is still happening, nonetheless.
2: Absolutely, and I do think that often the personality traits that are honed on musical theatre. Um, Music, they're hung on musical theatre characters somewhat help plot along. So, like, if somebody mm. is crazy ambitious or somebody wants to go to the big city and make a star of themselves and that's their overriding, that kind of pushes plot along. And yeah. But I'm not sure that the personality traits of the Home Street Home characters do push plot along. They kind of keep them where they are. And maybe that's intentional because, like, people are stuck in their circumstance. And so the character traits that they have don't ever push plot along. They're only ever kind of solidifying the characters as we met, as we knew them when we first knew them and now as we as they continue to explore their journey through the show um, yeah. and the only one that changes is Sue um, but mm. the rest of the characters when they kind of you know, when they've got a trait nothing sort of changes and I think that that's probably a little bit of a a struggle that this musical has in terms of bringing a character its um, rightful ending because we don't really see any character sort of development, certainly no character development through a narrative arc. And so everybody starts as they are, and then they kind of finish as they are, with the exception of Sue, who just in the middle, as pink hair, loves bondage and starts yeah. taking drugs.
0: Yes. The, uh, I, mom has the closest to that when she has that little... Um sort of soliloquy song where she's sort of talking about how it would be nice not to have to look after this collection of idiots for a day she actually does have an aspiration where she's like i'd love to just chill out and not have this and then she goes actually no i want to be in a relationship with sue instead for for all of half of verse, she aspires to a a different life whereas special ed is Special Ed is status quo incarnate. He just loves exactly... There's songs in this section where he's like, I don't want to do anything or be anyone. And (laughs) fine. You know, which is exactly why, like we said last time, if there was a character that could get the chop and allow that time to be used for further um, development, it would be Ed, Um, which is no reflection on the guy who plays him because he does precisely what he's supposed to. But it's uh you know that's uh that's it but yeah so we've uh so yeah so they're at it again um is is lots of fun and is a, a lively fun way of starting again uh trashley is increasingly vocal about how upset she feels replaced uh mom tries to assure her with the song vicious affection
2: i actually think that this is this is a pretty good song in terms of musical, musical, uh, in terms of what it's like to have a, musical song or write a musical song
1: because I think
2: this is the song if I'm right that ends with the three of them singing all together and it feels like the three of them are singing in different locations even though they've been put into one location because I think mom is center stage and um, and uh, Trashley and Sue are sort of off to the side but in their own little world and the lighting state is is different and so my first thought was oh I think we might be seeing some internal monologue now so, yeah. I think that in this moment, what we're actually seeing is not three characters singing at each other. I think that that starts because they definitely have an argument. But then we have a light and state change. And we, I think, are looking at the um, internal monologues of these three characters on stage. And as that happened, I was like, with hit musical status, that's it. That's now where this, we've now got a song that's doing what a lot of musical songs do anyway, which is tell us the internal feeling of a character. It isn't really part of the action. And I think that whereas it's quite um, a simplistic song and there's, that's no shade, there's no shade on it being a simplistic song, if only lots yeah. of musicals would sometimes be a bit more simple melodically and, ha- and in its harmonies so that you can hear the beautiful nature of what's happening. Um, it is quite simple. I don't think at any point, I mean, maybe they are in three-part harmony only a couple of times, but um, mm. when that does happen, it is really nice. And I think that like one way that I've come at analysing this musical is to try and figure out what the top three musical theatre songs are. Um, oh, yeah. And I think that vicious, I think Vicious Affection only just misses the top three. And that's just because the three that I can identify are absolute, outri- outright, empty, holding a torch, bangers. Um, okay. But I think that this is sort of like quite up there in a musical theatre song. And I really liked it. And it was nice to see three women in musical theatre singing together and not singing about a man. And that, I will give yeah. it its credit there, is that normally when you have three women standing on stage or two women standing on stage singing, they're normally vying for one man's attention. Whereas this is actually quite different and unique and, and the power of three women singing about something that wasn't, oh, no, he loves me. Oh, no, he loves me more. How do I get his attention? I'll
0: distract him from that whore. Isn't it madness? He can't be mine.
2: Absolutely. It's a <laughs> so, I, I think it was actually really nice to see, to see, just to see that, I think, as a moment for maybe, you know, take, taking a step back from it, I know this is a big thing to say, but a moment for musical theatre history. Like, there aren't many songs, I'd be you'd be really hard-pressed to find female duets that aren't necessarily about how much they love a man. So I, yeah. I've got to give it credit for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it's really weird. It's this show is not subversive in the way they think it is. They've managed to be quite subversive, but they are focusing on the bit where going, <laughs> we've seen the bit where everyone is all tied up and doing smack. Go, yeah, but yeah. you're doing you're doing sort of actually more noteworthy stuff over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. But look at all the flogging. Yeah, no, it's, it is a bit
2: of that, and like, and it's so strange because, because again, of um, Jeff Marks from uh, Avenue Q being involved in it, and they will all have knowledge of Jerry Springer the Opera, so it's weird that they think that this musical is shocking in in the way that they that they've written it to be shocking because those things aren't shocking in musical theatre terms anymore. Um, mm. But I think that Vicious Affection is quite. Um, is is interesting to me because it's the one song that on the album I didn't like it as much as I do like it on stage. That's the one song where I'm like, I prefer what they've done with it on stage to what it's like on the album.
0: Yeah, I think some songs and so cause some melodies get reused from place to place, like you say, the leitmotif sort of things. But they mm-hmm. seem yeah. to be but I don't know if they're reused with as much thought as well this symbolizes something. They're just sort of using it the same melody away again you know it's sort of it's like um it's a joke i like to do if you find out someone's a big fan of Les Mis and you go oh i love that what's that one song that starts da 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 and then they list all, <laughs> all of the songs that start with that intro and you go no 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 not that one and, they go, and then and then they can list about nine songs that all start with that little um sort of uh, that little uh, string melody um and so you know that there's loads and loads of of you know and like you say it's those motifs that come through but they sometimes just sort of use them or just put them in different places but yeah so but no i think vicious affection is uh is a little highlight so i think it, it works it works really really nicely uh we then uh move on to some we then move on to some more a-level drama stuff where uh Nosmo is concerned with suicide's carelessness around all of they've just been chased by some um security from a shop and uh, sue is like oh what are they gonna do catch me send me home i'll just run away again i'm no longer frightened of my dad for some reason um and uh, sue then says uh, anyway you can't talk you're doing loads of heroin and not playing the guitar and Nosmo feels rather uh, seen by that, goes, yeah, maybe I should. And she's like, I'll get you some new strings. And he's like, oh, oh, that, that is nice. Uh, and then, oh, this, <laughs> no way. Is it? No, wait. That cop is Sue's dad. No. Mental. Can't believe it. He turns up, he tells off Sue's mum, the terrified, cowering woman, uh, tells her to go home so that he can have sex with underage sex workers in his squad car. Uh so she's out there flying and he's there going, Oh whatever. Uh Sue steals everyone their favourite things, which I thought was a missed opportunity for a song, uh, in the style of um the sound of music. But absolutely, um... absolutely yeah.
2: And I think this is this is a point that like there are moments in this musical that you feel like here would be a great song and i I totally agree with you this whole scene kind of up until Officer Walker coming on mm. and and kind of that moment, I think all of that essentially exposition where people are going, "Well, I think this, and you should do this, and I think this, and you're right, and da 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 like that should be a song. I think you're absolutely right there's no there's no reason that that couldn't be another song there um because a lot of the time is taken up with um Janky script writing, when it could be great songwriting Because
3: yeah.
2: what, what I would like, they do know how to write a musical song. When, when they hit it, they do know how to do it. And it's kind of a shame that what they didn't do is write the script first and then go, great, let's have a look at this bit here and see if we can turn this into a song. It feels like what they did was they had all the songs written and then they went, and now let's write some script to put all these songs together. Um, whereas in terms yeah. of writing a musical it's, it's a little bit of a I, I mean there is no backwards way of doing it you just write as you need to write but I think that, that this this show is a little bit of a victim of that process because then at no point has anybody gone well let's write something new for this bit and there are like new bits in it from the concept album I, I, I do, and yeah. I, I know that and acknowledge it but like the wrong not the wrong bits, that's mean um kind of like there are, there are other bits that would have been a more interesting choice to turn into a musical song rather than... Yeah. But again, I think that what's happened is people have walked away and gone, I, we need another song, and then they've written a song, and then they've tried to, like, shoehorn the songs into where the script is, as opposed to, like, yeah. really doing a deep dive on the analysis of the script.
0: I I, so, I really feel that this to lean into the strengths of the people involved, or the people of Soma and and Mike, uh, less so Jeff Marks, obviously, he's more establishment musical. Um, Yeah. I think think having it as an operetta would have been a better call than having actual dialogue Ah. and stuff. You know, I think having it like a Les Mis style one where there's no talking, it's everything is done through song. It's not West Side Story. It it's um you know, I, I think it, it, would, it would be it would need
1: to have um a, a slightly more tragic lean. Like I think that it would have to have a tragic end if it were to do that. But I, I think that would be more fitting for the story. Yeah. I think when it suddenly has a happy ending towards the end, I'm like, Oh no, you guys have been writing a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That that is yes, that is absolutely it. Like you said, like we mentioned earlier oh sorry in the previous episode um mm. having everyone survive to leave they don't have a death yeah. they have someone who stays behind but yeah. you know what is the point of ed if not to uh, being... exactly and and the tragedy would be is that he was uh you know a, a a developmentally challenged guy who was nice and trying to you know and was there and everyone accepted him but ultimately he couldn't He could not live in the real world, and the fact that he made it to thirty-two or whatever, thirty-two in a month, was, um, was like that was Matt and or or Trashley, you know, in that sort of in that in that madam butterfly way.
2: The fact that Trashley survives is is just it's it's almost insulting to her character. She that character deserves a tragic death where she is held in the arms of mom, and mom tells her for the final time. You, I love you so much. You are you are so special. And, you know, and there's a reprise of vicious affection and she holds her and she passes yeah. away. And then, and that, and like, Ashley not, doesn't deserve, I don't mean deserves it, like, she deserves to die. I mean, that character arc, the way it is written yeah. from the beginning, deserves yeah, its yeah. finality and we never get it for Ashley. And I think that that's quite tragic in a lot of ways.
0: It is. And, you know, she she's sort of an, an Eponine type character she's an also ran ultimately. exactly give the girl so her was... little fall of rain please exactly <laughs> what else is going to make the flowers grow you pricks so anyway, um, <laughs> i can make the dead flowers grow make them dead flowers if you want <laughs> fuck it we're punk here But you know rain will make the poppies grow and we'll all do some opium in her memory you know there, there's something it, it would, anything it, it would be more satisfying because it is supposed to be heightened and melodramatic. We're dealing with musical theatre here and you can't subvert it unless you're also playing the game. And <laughs> and having your cake and eating it is 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 a trickier one. Mom finds out that uh Sue, who is overexcited at the prospect and high on theft and uh, high on everyone else's drugs as well. Um she's also wearing a semi-French maid's outfit with a leftover crack patch on it. So uh, somehow she's got into leftover crack in a month where she's not had any electricity. So I don't know where she's got into them from, unless someone's just describing bands to her. Anyway. um, I was going to say, can I just,
2: is leftover, because I'm obviously, sorry, is leftover crack a band? Or are you saying that she's got into everybody's leftover crack? Because I think it's both, um, but I just want to be sure.
0: No, leftover crack are a band. Or they used to be a band. Um, (laughs) uh, Yes. Yes. uh, in fact, uh, yes, yeah, so they're from the similar family of bands that uh, Nosmo's got a Morning Glory uh, patch, and there's a crossover in band members on there as well. Uh, yeah. And so, but she's basically been in a place where she's not really been able to listen to any music that isn't Nosmo's decreasing interest in the guitar. And all of a sudden, she's got a leftover crack patch on it and stuff. I find that bit weird. Um, it's kind of funny. but um, But again, it's also. It, dress up in it so it's uh it's all good um and uh oh she's she, do you know what her biggest addiction is though eyeliner Woof coal yeah. on her bloody hell um she loves
2: it and i think there it's, as well we're seeing a really nice nod to um to fat mike's love of rocky horror you know she's very magenta hmm. she's very oh yeah that's a know, really
3: good point and
2: um she, and she i is. think that like if you if you're at least going to you know, because clearly Rocky Horror is a massive influence on this, and it's nice that within the musical, you know, like look and style, we at least pay homage to it. Because then it's not st- in the musical theatre world. That's not stealing. That's paying homage. So there you go. So nothing's been stolen from uh, Rocky Horror now. It's all just in celebration of Rocky Horror.
0: Oh no, absolutely. The the rent references and the you know the the fact that they're, 100. That, they're that they're dressed in like. um Somewhere between Lemis and Hamilton, you know they are. You know they've got the the period clothing on as well and stuff like that. It's all, I mean, and um and potentially even Hades Town or something like that. Those kind of, um, you know, that kind of thing. Going yeah. On. So yeah, no, all of those things. I don't. Uh, uh, all of that you can't. If anyone thinks that that is plagiarism or or ripping off, it's like it, it simply can't be. You can't do that because musicals know themselves too well to Allow that to happen, so it, it can only yeah. be omar because it wouldn't work as plagiarism. Because people go, Oh, I love that reference to this, they go, No, we wrote that, and you go, oh, Come on, mate, let's not. So, and I'd so, yeah, no, that's all, uh, that's all, uh, And so that just
2: to just to illustrate that point, like very, very specifically, in Hamilton, there is a beautiful bit of music where, um, I think it's Hamilton, the lead, sings, Nobody Needs to Know, in a very specific musical phrase. Um, mm-hmm. and with the words nobody needs to know but Lynn manuel Miranda has said himself that one of his favourite musicals is The Last Five Years and there is a song in The Last Five Years called Nobody Needs To Know and that musical mm-hmm. phrase is not doesn't just sound like nobody needs to know, it is directly lifted from The Last Five Years and put into Hamilton and that's just yeah. because Lynn loves The Last Five Years as we all do as every theatre kid in their right mind does and so yeah. I think that just just yeah just for anybody who i think just to illustrate the point for anybody who isn't aware that in musicals we you know stealing things from other musicals is is how we express love as musical oh, writers oh, yeah. <laughs> as, i've already i've already gone i've already gone a bit hard on the in musical theatre we love things wrong and i think that that's sure. just another way that we wrongly express love
0: well with hamilton you've also got the uh the hip hop sampling aspects as well because oh, there's, yeah. there's one oh, yeah. I've only heard it I've not seen it I've heard it I've heard the soundtrack a couple of times and in one of the rap battle debates there's um one of them says it, it makes me want it's like a jungle sometimes it makes me wonder why I even bring the thunder which is yeah. straight out of the message from Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five yeah um and uh and all of that kind of thing and there's there are a few there are fewer things like that regarding punk rock in this than I thought there would be there's a couple of references to band names that get snuck in there mm-hmm. in barely legal. Uh, would you do that for me? I would do that for you. Where he says, um, "Are you put off by my ill repute?" And ill repute is an a old hardcore band from back in the day that Mike was uh, was a fan of. So these th- there's probably other ones in there that I've not noticed. I kept on uh, waiting to I kept on waiting to hear the name Poison Idea or something like that show up, but you know. So and I
2: think like, I okay think again. that like. Like, in Hamilton, when those things happen, so sometimes it makes you wonder why he even brings the thunder. It's then repeated. A different character goes why he even brings the thunder behind him to really hammer home to the audience, like, we are not shying away from the fact that we are referencing yeah. these things. It is, um, you know, it is it is what we're saying. Lynn says very clearly, for the only reason that Hamilton works is because... Um, In Hamilton, we just accept that hip-hop is the language of the American Revolution. That's something that we're just introduced to right at the beginning of the musical. And I think that if we had been introduced to the idea at the beginning of this, that punk is the language of the punk homeless street kids, all of that would would work so much better. Like, if it was just solidified to us straight away from the get-go, like punk is the language that we speak because it is the way that we communicate i think that yeah. i think that all of this would be more successful in the way that it happens and the way that it works especially with the bringing in of different punk names and you could reference different punk songs and all that kind of amazing um culture that there is surrounding punk music and i think it is yeah. an opportunity lost there especially when mike yeah. says um says that this isn't a punk musical this is a musical with five-ish punk songs in it i think i wish they'd done it the other way around i wish they'd said punk is the language of this musical and i think it would have been a very different project
0: yeah i agree and it's and it's a language that he's fluent in it th- exactly this is like, this is like trying to write your first opera in a language you don't speak yeah. it's not it's not as straightforward but anyway it, there's again but The thing is is that we've spoken about how this could have been told in like five different ways and any one of those would have been possibly more successful overall. The successful bits in this show are really, really great. It's just Mm. that it's kind of less than the sum of its parts because some of those parts detract from the other ones. In isolation, they're not. Bad. There are some things which are no. which do which do need looking at and and correcting, but in general, one thing that works here means that this bit over here doesn't work quite as well. And, and what's experience. really sad
2: is, is that this has already been through so much workshopping. like Mike talks on mm-hmm. interviews, he talks quite a lot about how, look, like, he's had his heart broken when people, like he's put things in front of people, and they've gone, no, pull this out, add this in, sort this out, do this, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But I feel, I still feel like we're watching an R&D soft launch workshop out of town. I feel like <laughs> we're watching something that is like, it's its first, first time it's been put up, they're putting it up to check whether it's got legs, and, oh, look, it has got legs, now let's go away and do six months' hard work on this to kind of mould this script into Broadway ready. Whereas my fear is, is that, that, that this showing, what we've seen, that they think that's the final product. They, they've kind of put that on and they've gone, perfect. No notes and like I, and I wish that what instead what what this was, I wish I knew that what this was was its first time going up, and that from here it was going to be wrestled with and changed, and a probably a bit of recasting and some some things that audiences will have said that's a bit extreme, and that's a big much, but when fat Mike is. Is interviewed about it. He's like, yeah, we put it up and people loved it. But I'm like, no, the theatre people, they're going to tell you that. They don't mean it. (laughs) Don't (laughs) listen to them, might they lie.
0: I mean, on the video that we watched, uh, it did get a standing ovation at the end. People, uh, the audience were very, very touched by it.
1: I think it like it will get a standing ovation in like the Bay Area with Mike's name behind it. Like that doesn't well, surprise maybe. me at all.
0: It didn't look like a particularly. Well, you know, like yeah. we when we do
1: panto,
2: it gets a standing ovation on Christmas Eve when all of our family and friends are in. It's really easy to get a standing ovation when you fill your audience full of people that love you. And I think that that's what people always do for a show recording, quite rightly. Why would you not yeah. put your best foot forward? But like I would never put out a recording of our pantomime at Christmas the one that we did in front of 50 school kids that threw popcorn at us. I would only ever put out the recording of Christmas Eve when my mom and dad are in and Red's parents are in and everybody's in and then at the end they all get up and dance. That's the one that you would put forward. Not that I'm Sorry. suggesting that I know that every one of these shows didn't get a standing ovation, but just that, you know, in hi, history is written by the people who are writing the records and, you know, Fat Mike is writing his own records on this one. The one he puts out is yeah. the one he chooses. So... I don't
0: know I, I I just Yeah no I I don't know how that ended up on YouTube because it certainly wasn't released with any ceremony I I get the feeling it's not really supposed to be there and that it is there it was recorded to show prospective um uh uh what do you call them like um investors or people like that to move it on to the next Thing like an off-Broadway thing, so I think that was like mm. a sizzle reel or whatever. You know, it was like, oh, this is what it is. This is what we've yeah. got. Now, imagine what we can do if you." So it probably is at a creative point where it's not obviously not like the first draft, like you would be wanting this to be. Seeing this as a first draft, you go, "Okay, well, we've got a lot to work with, but there's definitely something in here that we can find and and make into something great." But I think it is at a certain level of refinement. I don't think they consider yeah. this because it's still uh, all right. It's San Francisco, but it's still regional theatre, isn't it? In a in the yeah, in of course, the yeah snobby language of of the theatre, you know, off Broadway would be the next thing, and also off Broadway feels more punk rock than uh, Broadway legit. But I think that's a big still- thing
2: that I find myself consistently questioning. Like, what does Fat Mike want out of this because he is so anti-establishment that, like, does he does he really want his his musical on Broadway next to and next to the funders and next to the directors and next to the establishment and next to all of these people who he will have? There's so much he will have to compromise on if he wants to get his I, musical I, I, to there. Like, is that what he wants?
0: I I think. At one point, yes. I don't know if that's still the case because I think he was like, well, we're going to do it and we're going to do it properly. Um, And so therefore have it like, you know, he's gone to, when he's in New York, he's gone to see shows on Broadway. He likes all of that. Otherwise he wouldn't bother doing it. And I think that he wanted to do that. But I think after seeing just how little control he would actually have over the final product relative to every other product a project, sorry, the guy has been involved in, which is basically him saying, Yes, no, you know this, that, and the other that I think that releasing that level of control in spite of his s n m enjoyment, releasing that control is not something that he's comfortable with, so that's why I think mm, now. Yeah. I think maybe even after the sort of the letdown of, well, it's not going to go to Off-Broadway now because of the pandemic and stuff, I think the the TV thing, the making it sort of a, a televisual series or a YouTube series or something like that, I think he can retain more control that way than if it were, because live theatre is such a different beast and the funding mechanisms are different and all this kind of thing. I mean, you know, he could, I don't know if they have like an arts council in the US, they probably have some sort of body that funds stuff in or, or you can apply for funds from But in the UK, he could probably get an arts council grant provided he filled in the requisite paperwork correctly.
2: Well, I actually think that that the future of this should be move it to London. I actually I've been thinking about it a lot since we had the last chat about it never having its off Broadway run and it needs to find an audience. And on the concept album, there is there there is a British singer on it, isn't there? Like, and it actually sounds great in a British accent. And and I think that it should. I think it would find its voice and its home and a director that understands it a bit. Here in the UK, I think, and this this is such a grand sweep in generalisation. And I I know that if I heard somebody say this, I'd probably find a way to hate it. But I do think that in the UK, there are more pots of experimental money than there are out in the US. And I think if he was to bring it over to the UK and find a regional theatre with a lot of funding or find a regional theater that could find some funding for it he would actually find a lot of success with having it in a workshop room for two months with british actors on it but to bring some money into it put some british actors on it put some you know british directors in a room with it who have you know trained very differently to the to its american um, counterparts and see what they would do with it and i think he would find something very different something i don't know it I think it would add another level to it, and and not only that, I think that you know British theatre directors are a little bit more, you know, they're a little bit more bold, and they're going to say, please kill off one of these characters because this won't work if it ends up on the West End because it won't. But I think you should come up, bring it over here.
0: I, it's an that's really interesting because I think in somewhere like the Battersea Arts Centre or um or, or even in somewhere like Brighton or Bristol or one of the other sort of um cosmopolitan B towns in the south of England um or to be honest even Sheffield or somewhere like that or uh, Glasgow would be would be great for it as well um all of these places with a a, a history of really interesting challenging theatre and the art I think and if you
2: were to put this up at Chichester right. Musical Theatre Festival, I think it would find a lot of love and I think it would find an audience and I think it would probably find some sort of West End transfer. I don't think there's nothing there, is what I'm saying. I yeah. think it just needs somebody who is very, very critical and somebody who is not scared of of being bold in in the changes that need making. And I think yeah. it probably needs some some titan of British theatre to just speak to Fat Mike and be like, look, what you've got here is is the bones of something great, but there's some fundamentals that aren't working and kind of really, really help him with those fundamentals. Um, But then I suppose people would say, well, that's what Jeff Marks did, so shut up, you don't know anything and if he thinks it's great, who are you? And that's fair as well. Um, But I kind of... I've been thinking a lot about it and I'm kind of a little bit sad for it because I think there is enough there to make it quite brill. um And I think it just, I think it's only 20% as well. I think it could really hit the mark. And, mm. you know, there's been enough punk rock theater things out there in, in the UK that I think that there probably is an audience for it. I just think yeah. it needs a little bit of work.
0: For a story about broken toys, it's a bit of a broken toy itself. Fair. It's like it wouldn't need much to polish it up, like you say. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll we'll push on. So yeah, so we'll um, so soon, Nick's everyone's over there. We go. So PD uh, is then sad about how he can't uh, find a partner, um, and the song <laughs> the song uh, which uh, it, I mean it opens with the line "I have no interest in adults," which is normal and good. But um I, but it's that but it's sort of the the aspirational song where they all sing about what they want or don't want. And so Ed says he doesn't want to be anything. Nosmo says he wants to play his songs in front of underage girls, which I'm chalking up to the heroine. Um but I'm keeping a close eye on the guy. Um, <laughs> I'm it might be heroin. I don't know what heroin does to you, but it might be that. Um, Trashley's like really not letting go of this suicide mom thing. She's like, she is, I want everything to be like it was before. Like, she wants to return to the status quo. Um, you know, everyone wants other stuff. Sue just wants everything to be like it is now. She's really, really happy with the current status quo. So, that song is Just Like Me, uh, which starts off about you know, PD wanting a boyfriend, and then everyone else sings it. and. And that's quite—it's quite a nice ensemble piece. Than the way the the the, the uh, you know the melodies flow around one another, they're singing opposite one another and stuff. I think it's—I think it works very, very nicely. This is called
2: literally an "I Want" song. So yeah. the "I Want" song—I think could be about to get this very wrong, and for that I'm sorry. But I think it's Bob Fosse that says there's only three kinds of songs in a musical. There's an "I Am" song and I want song and then just new songs. And that's kind of anything that doesn't fall into those two categories. And the, I want song has become a very, very um, necessary thing that people look for now in a musical. It is the moment where your lead character slash characters set out what they want. And then Mm -hmm. presumably the rest of the musical then goes on to achieve that. Um, There's lots of, different ways that that happens and there's lots of different interpretations of what an i want song is
0: some of them do get that you know pd does end up with a boyfriend not one that is just like him but he, comes, no. he ends up with the one that he had so he does get a partner he gets what he wants which is actually something stable ed gets to remain entirely unchanged so th- th- thumbs up for ed um we don't know about nosmo and the uh the underage girls so hopefully that didn't happen uh, sue gets what she wants trashley's mind changes so she may get what she wants because at that time she wants sue to piss off and for her and mom's relationship to go back to how it was that changes because she sort of there's a suggestion that she may end up with nosmo or that something like that is happening in the offing but again we'll, we'll get to the ending and and what actually happens when we get there Hello, everyone. Eddie here. Red and I hope you're enjoying our show. If you have been and would like to help us make it a little more easily, then you can donate to us at our coffee page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash punkrockelite. Or you can look in the show notes for our link tree. If you can't help us financially, we totally understand, but would love it if you spread the word to other people who would like this podcast. We thank you for your continued support. We massively appreciate it. Back to the show. So Trashley at this point, this is too much for her. She confronts Sue and pushes her. Uh, mum gets the arsehole with both of them. Uh, Trashley is not convinced when mum says that it's all going to be okay. Um, and so uh, the, this song is Is This How It Is. And there's a an, an element uh, in it where they say Feels Like Home, which is also the same melody as a part of Feels Like Home by No Use For yes. A Name, uh, which is where Tony Sly, uh, the what we mentioned last time, Tony Sly, Mike's friend from No Use For A Name who died in 2012, I'm absolutely certain that was put there specifically as a as a, a a memorial to Tony Sly. And as a big fan of No Use for a Name and someone who was quite upset when Tony Sly died, it does hit. Uh, it hits different. But it's it it works on its own as well, I think.
2: Yeah, I would agree.
0: Mom's going, look, it's gonna be fine, okay? And Trashley's like, I don't know, and Sue's like, Yeah, thanks, Mom. So Nosmo <laughs> goes off. Nosmo goes off to get some more smack, um, ends up paying with his guitar. And this is where we have Nico and the Fatales doing Bad Decision, uh, which are the oh uh, the Bad Decision and Worst Decision, which are the two songs Frank Turner sings on the album. So uh they're they're doing that. So um <laughs> so they have Bad Decision, he gets uh he goes, Give me that guitar, I'll set you up for a week. So he gets a week's worth of smack for his guitar. Uh, Nozmo and Trashley share a nice needle and go to sleep on the street somewhere with a bottle of Jack Daniels. Uh, I think they share a kiss. Trashley's just looking for any form of comfort or anything to take it to sort of numb the upset she's feeling. Uh, Nozmo just loves smack. (sighs) That's, (laughs) again,
2: that thing that we're talking about, about the way that drugs are spoken about. (laughs) Whenever anything like that is said, it just makes me laugh. And it's and it shouldn't because at this point we are getting more to a tragic climax. I think <laughs> but like, those moments yeah. I just found them dead laughable.
0: <laughs> it's uh, it it all the drug stuff is a bit A level in it. It's it's just mm. it, it's just how it is. Anyway, if it um, wasn't so so <laughs>
2: pro drugs, the way that they talk about it feel would feel like any character any minute is going to be like, kids, don't do drugs
1: and stay in school. It, it's it,
2: like so. Yeah.
1: It feels almost like Reefer Madness, which I don't know, it's like a a 1920s movie that was meant to tell you about the the dangers of weed, but is so laughable in in its execution that it's loved by drug users. Um, And there are elements of this which have a similar vein. You're right, like the the way they talk about drugs is just a little bit um, without humour, I suppose. Um, well, no, no. I suppose not, not without humour, but
2: no. I know what you're trying to say. Without, I don't know. It, it's almost like with a with a lack of, with a humorous lack of understanding as to how uncool it sounds. Like it's almost like it's like it's like your parents talking about it. It's well, like anything that they say, I can imagine coming out of the mouth of my mum or dad. Like, well, funnily, I don't know, funnily
1: it's... enough, it's basically the the view the. The tone of how drugs are treated in this musical is the same as a song from NoFX's earlier career. I think is it "Drugs Are Good," which yes. at the time um, Mike wasn't a drug user, and the song yep. is making fun of people who think drugs are cool, like drugs in themselves are cool. And funnily enough, Mike becomes that person later in his musical career.
2: That's so funny.
1: Um. Yeah,
0: yeah, he didn't start doing drugs until his 30s. Um, And, yeah, and then was so late that he's sort of running around. All, All of the bands he'd been friends with for years are like, mate, we've been doing this since we were nine. So... It's, and but he was sort of a bit late to the party and um I remember I've spoken to lots of people who are like, Oh yeah, I saw I I really like No Effects for ages. And I finally saw them and all Mike did was shout about drugs all the time in between the songs. And then that was it. Cause they, they NoFX No Effects have been known for their on stage their banter, their their sort of antics and stuff. And they talk a lot and they used to talk about loads and loads of different things, like weird things. They'd talk about what they'd, what they'd eaten before the show. they talk about what they did on the way here. And past a certain point, all of the onstage banter is just about how, oh, this show's not very good because we couldn't score any good drugs. And the thing is, when he says we, I don't know that Melvin and Hefe are like that. Smelly certainly isn't because he's been sober since 1992. Uh, and that did actually cause uh, quite a lot of friction in the band, which is that some... Over ten years since Smelly stopped doing drugs, he's like Melvin and Hefe would like smoke a bit of weed or something maybe after a show. Mike could have a a beer and stuff, and he's like, all of that was perfectly easy to deal with or avoid. It's like when Mike's got lines lined up on his amp right in front of me and is just doing them in my eye line. It's like it's kind of disrespectful, but Mike was absolutely in love with the idea of uh, being on cocaine.
2: I think it's like, I I would only ever, I only only ever, you know, I don't really do it. But if I ever did, that is my fear, that that's what I sound like. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not really my bag, all that kind of stuff. It's not something that I play around with very much. But if I ever did do it, I know that I would sound like them, like, hey, shall we do some drugs? Do you know what I'm like? I just, uh, it's like an innate fear that I've got that that would be what I would sound like if I ever had to talk about it. Because I'm not, I don't know how people talk about it in in like my friendship circles. It's not really what's happened. And I definitely do know that if a load of musical theatre kids started talking about drugs, that is what we would sound like. So it's like yeah. a fear. it's like a cringeworthy fear, like I've got second-hand embarrassment for them.
0: Yeah, it and it does sound like they are sort of they're doing like full on West Side Story snapping while yeah, they're talking like about
2: it. let's it's- do some drugs, like it's all a bit that. Oh,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they are they and then they all they all turn around as the light comes up on each one of them, and they're all pulling a pose like an exaggerated like one's got a needle to their arm, one's got their finger exactly their like nose. that. One's like holding like a, a reefer, and uh, and they're, but they're posting over the back of chairs with bowler hats.
2: If only they would. <laughs> I mean that. that <laughs> if only they would. <laughs> I'd love that.
0: That would be hilarious, actually. That would be incredibly funny if they did that.
2: If only that was the choreo for higher achievers. Like that's what I was. Do- yeah. I think that's where it was. It's looking like like if only higher achievers was a bit like that. Like you know,
0: it is a little bit is- cell
2: block tango-y. You know, like. Please yeah. give me something.
0: Because as it is, it's just sort of just the hip drop, the hands on hips, hip drop up and down <laughs> thing. Isn't it? it's quite static. <laughs> yeah. It's even just a couple of bowler hats and a, a cane would, uh, you know, kneel on a chair for a bit. Just anything, you know. Let's um
2: anything. Just do choreographed. something choreographed, please.
0: You know, yeah, if it looked if they did it and it looked like mine hair, that would be fucking brilliant. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> um, or
2: cell block tango, or if they did it yeah, and it looked like because exactly. cell block tango would really fit, and then, you know that kind of like you know six people along the front, each in a spotlight, saying a word, like you know, I, I, yeah. brilliant. Take the mick of it, please. If you're not going mm-hmm. to do a pure form of it, fully take the mick of it. Like oh, yeah. I don't
0: know. So, anyway. Let's they, move on. <laughs> Let's move on. So So uh Sue's dad, Officer Walker, shakes Nico down, uh wanting to know where Sue is. He's like, I saw you dealing. You might want to tell me where this girl is, and he's like, Well, I'm not gonna rat her out, but Trashley definitely will, so go and talk to her. <laughs> so Sue's dad finds Trashley and Nozmo. Nozmo <laughs> is having a lovely heroin nap, but Trashley has woken up. And she just straight up sells out Sue with a tiny bit of wondering, but then ultimately going, no, fuck it, she can She can get fucked. So uh, she tells him, and then we get worse decision, with uh, credited to Nico and the Fatales. Um, but we don't find out what happens quite yet, because we go and meet John and P.D., who and just to, just to have... go
2: back, like, these moments of betrayal in musicals, like, obviously one of the biggest ones, the, the biggest betrayal in a musical that you could ever think of to reference would obviously be Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar. And that moment, the betrayal in Jesus Christ Superstar, is such a big deal, quite rightly. It's a huge moment in the plot. Um, but obviously then a lot of other musicals take moments of betrayal to be a key plot point. And I feel like in this musical, for some reason, it is just washed over. It's just like, yeah, yeah she's there. Scene
3: how, change. How
0: is, and it's like, where is it? How is, that is internal it? process not a song?
2: How is it not? Like, why are we not seeing... Why are we not seeing vicious affection come together with the "I Want" song come together with a little bit of like why Ashley? It's not. It's not that the musical theatre actor is not in any way capable. Lauren is incredible. Okay. Lauren Patton's an incredible actor. Give her something there, and again, we're back to that idea of what happened previously when they were all having the you know like I've I've robbed all the things for you. We kind of we're back there now. Like yeah. where's where's Trashley's big. Big song. Where's her big ballad that she gets to stand and tell us exactly how she's feeling in that moment? Like, where
1: is it? Where's her big Judas moment? I think I I, I want to be hurt by you is probably the closest she gets to like her song. Absolutely, you know? and even then, it's a duet. But she's kind of she's she's out. She's not the main antagonist, obviously
2: because that's Officer Walker, because he's like the villain of the piece. But she is something of an antagonist. And where is her? She's a complex character in lots of ways. And I think that 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 would be a brilliant song. And if you could write a song that tells us exactly how she's feeling right there, I'm telling, like, people would do it in auditions (laughs) because there's a lot of acting for it. So, like, it's such a moment missed. Trashley's big stand, stare up into middle distance and give us a song That tells us everything that's going on in her head, and then her finally ratting her out, ratting um, suicide out to Officer Walker, then makes sense because we know exactly what Ashley, what what Treshley is doing, but we don't know that. We all we know is, oh, that must be because she's jealous, and that's so that's that's such a shame because because she is actually one a really great character, and she's got loads going on, and there's so much service that they do to that character but like for her to kind of do something completely unmotivated other than just i'm jealous is so is so disappointing
0: yeah, it is and and i think um the i think i point on lauren patton as a singer she's got that brilliant range as well because she's got that she's got a, a lower register that she sings in you know i mean i, I make fun of it but it sounds great And i'm like, a stigma what like <laughs> but it's really good and it's really musical and it mm-hmm. and and you're right about you know people would sing this at auditions to show that they've got that to show that they've got the range dear you know they would yeah. show that they Absolutely. have that because you start off in that in that mid range sort of a spoken level but with power behind it and then she can also do the higher uh, the higher stuff as well this this would be one of the this would be like the little this would be the, the favourite song of the girls who were just that little bit detached, a little bit. Mm, I'm not really into, like, that, the heroes of the stories. I, I'm much more interested in the villain. Oh, and there are thousands of those out there. So, you know, the, and and I think that to not have a song here, it, you basically... Trashley, but, Trashley let, could yeah. be this
2: story's epony. She could, like, this, this, really is, this yeah. musical. She could be... Eponine for home put a, street home
0: but put a song here and then killer and you've got a much more engaging character who, who makes you choke up every time you think of her because it's like
2: absolutely oh, you, and then people it, might say oh but it's too much of a trope and it's too this and it's too that and it's blah 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 and yada yada, yada. but it, it's like that because it works like musical theater things work because they work Don't mess with the formula that much. Don't because then things stop working and Ash and Trashley's character, it stops working here. So it's worked up until this point. And then in this moment, she rats her out. And then from now on, she is uh, useless. She has no strong ending.
0: No, no, no. Because no, they don't her.
2: even pair her off with Nozmo. They don't really even do that. They kind of do it a bit, but they don't give yeah, her anything. Yeah. They don't give her a strong ending. So she just sort of fades away into obscurity. It's a,
0: it's a bit they sad. Sort of, she, she sort of, she sort of gets, some, she gets permission from mom to essentially do the crust punk equivalent of go for a coffee with him. It's like, like she permission <laughs> to go on a date. It's really, really weird. Um. Uh, anyway, well, oh, again, well, the little catchphrase for today's episode. We'll get to that. Barely legal with uh Big John and PD. Um, I like I like this song a lot. Um, I think it's uh, it's especially cute when they start pogoing together. I think that's uh, absolutely adorable. Um, and uh, this is one of the ones that's on the CD, and it's I think it's basically the same actors as well. They're just singing. Look could we be together and it turns out do you know what actually yes it's not that I want someone exactly like me I want someone exactly like you and they're both sort of like look we we can compromise we can but we we can compromise but for the benefit of one another rather than you know or for the benefit of ourselves it's like look I can you know I I want this to work so we'll make it work and Mm -hmm. it's a it's the healthiest relationship in the entire fucking show. And uh, yeah, I really Absolutely. I think really, really great.
1: I actually think it's kind of what the show should be about. I think that the, the B story between PD and Big John is a more compelling romance and a more interesting and um, I, I think it makes for a better story. Um, than the main story, the, the 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 story with with Sue and um, with with Mom and you know the, the the past traumas that that Sue has faced. To to me, I think the main story feels a little contrived and uh, heavy handed. Whereas I think that if this musical was a gay punk rock love story. I think that it would immediately be more interesting to a wider audience. And I think that it would have at its centre a genuinely satisfying romance as opposed to what we are treated to with the main story. I think that's a very astute observation. Uh, And and
0: having only really just thought about it, I agree. It would also make the ending work a bit better it's like everyone else is going and he has to decide that he's going to stay with John and his chosen family are off and you know and he's like "I I know I'm going to be okay and I know you are and it's a big thing and that's and that would work better I think you could you could still have all of the The isoscelesbian triangle. You could have the, um, you know, all of the bondage stuff and all of that stuff. Everything else could be in there, but it would be not the main focus. And because it wouldn't be the main focus, you possibly wouldn't screw up things like the appalling nature of consent. It would be. We wouldn't necessarily have. So. Sue's arrival and integration into the group wouldn't be so focused on and and all of those sort of glaring problems. Because you could even keep I'm Suicide, you could keep most of the songs just as introducing who they are songs. You just put it that she was Sue a long time ago rather than I've just decided to be Suicide. I am Suicide and I used to be that. And when you have all of those introduction songs, so yeah, I think that reframing it around pd would be would be one way of doing it you could you could change it so that you kept the main focus of the story and this all still works but i i agree i think the best
1: the most well realized of the plots is pd and and isn't that funny as well because like our criticism was that it wasn't you know we felt like fat mike had written something that isn't really his story but actually what i'm suggesting is that they make it more about the gay man and like to my well i mean i don't know about richard marx but i know that fat mike and soma jeff don't Marks. identify as gay men so it's really interesting that that's the the narrative that works for me when I it, d- it, it could be yeah. that jeff Marks had
0: my because i don't know how much he had yes, in jeff saying Marks.
1: the plot, but
0: jeff Marks, yeah i think he i do believe he does identify as a gay man if not i am sorry but i believe and, and i think that is. the
1: director was gay as well um which right. might have some leanings as to why the pd story works so well it may be due to the director's uh influence
0: yes and i think that that and i also think that it is less trying to be shocking so it feels more realistic and like you say you know because and We said last time, because, you know, Mike talks about Hedwig, which is like this element of magical realism that exists in that world, and Rocky Horror, which is a straight up B movie. And for those to be two of his biggest influences um, musically and, um, you know, just in life, for him to be so committed to the the realism, the, the sort of the photorealism thing that he wants, it... It's strange that the sort of the the most realistic is is like you say, the one that Soma and Mike have the least experience of. They've got friends who are and all that kind of thing. It's one route they could have gone down, and I think it would have made for a a really cool thing so after big john and p d uh Real, you know, work out just how they feel about one another and decide that, you know, maybe there is something they could do about that. They could be together. We cut back to Sue at the slot Hut who is doing some finger painting because she's a grown-up who can consent to BDSM. <laughs> uh,
2: this is uh, one of the most obscure moments for me when it cuts back to her and she's just at that table doing some painting. And I was ready to now hate everything that happened. But sadly... The next song, I do believe might be the best song in it. And I don't know if it was just because I'd been watching it as long as I had, and I was just really into it at this point. This song came on, and I said to Red, this is the best song in it. I didn't, I, like, turned to him and was like, this is great. And Red looked at me like I had lost my whole entire mind. But I can't (laughs) deny what I feel (laughs) And how I feel is there's something about this song that is just so musical theater to me. I think that this is one of those moments where the musical is successfully doing everything that I think this musical should be doing. Is it called because I want to? Is that what this song is called, or am I is that just because I love Billy Piper when I was
0: younger it It's precisely that we have mentioned this. I don't think that fat Mike knows of British pop star turned actress. Billy Piper. I, he might have watched Diary of a Call Girl. That seems like thing. I don't think he's into Doctor Who. So you know, um, but, I, but, I yeah. know about
2: Billy Piper because I think everybody should know about Billy Piper because yeah. I just I love her so much. <laughs> I, I just do. I'm sorry, I just also, love her. I think also, she's had a hard life. Yeah. Um, and now um, everything's coming out about Lawrence Fox. I feel even more sorry for her. And actually, to go from. Uh, a girly bubblegum pop star to being one of the most well-respected actors and getting all of the dramas on TV. And not only that, and this will cause arguments, I'm sure, maybe even with you, Eddie, Mm. was was the assistant for the best series of Doctor Who. I just think she needs a lot more
0: several series of Doctor Who. Which one in particular do you mean?
2: I don't think we should do this here and now. I think okay, this is a fight. different podcast because I don't want to fight.
0: Um, no, no I, don't, I don't fight about Doctor Who. That's uh, Oh, that's, that's good. That's not what well, the Doctor wouldn't, so why would I?
2: Fair. For the record, it's David Tennant's first series that I believe is the best series of Doctor Who. <laughs> but also... I fancy David Tennant, so that's also got a lot to do with it. So uh, you know, fair enough. I, can, so. I mean,
0: I mean, the thing is, I can boil down uh, David Tennant to uh, two noises as the Doctor. The first one is "Oh yes," and the second one is mm-hmm. <laughs> "So you you just you just you just do those two, and yeah. uh, and you've got <laughs> David's Doctor." And, and, uh, and, and yet and somehow, I think he's great, so that's fine.
2: I was going to say, and yet somehow the best thing I've ever seen, or the best thing that I'd ever seen at that point in my life. I was obsessed with it. And so I loved Billy Piper. I'm, and I'm,
0: I'm impressed that when he came back, he was thinner than when he was uh, in it the first time. That was... Uh, what's that, was that about? I know. I know.
2: I know. Some, some anyway. Hollywood
0: magic. But Doctor Who aside, this is the new direction so, that taking. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> Away because, from everything else. Because uh, I want
0: to, you were saying.
2: Because I want to. So I think this is great. Yeah. I think this is a brilliant musical theatre song. I can hear this being sung by musical theatre darlings all over the UK and USA. I can hear it being an audition song. I can hear it being alternative MT. The song I have no problem with. Where I do have a problem, obviously, because I've got a problem with everything, because that's what I'm like, is the staging and choreography of this. And I said this to Red as it was happening. The trouble that we have with suicide in this number is that this is her big, in my opinion, punk rock moment. This is her being like, fuck everything else. I do what I want because I want to at any given moment. And this is who I am. And fuck the rules. Fuck the establishment. And here I am, suicide. Here I am, punk girl elite. Right? And then what, she's, what she then goes on to do is just sort of jump around the stage. There's nothing punk rock about the staging or choreography of it. And like in my head, what you want in this moment is they're like trashing stuff and throwing stuff and pulling stuff off the walls and like losing her mind and like, wow, this is my let go loose punk moment. But what you actually have is just this odd jerking that happens and she puts her hands in some paint. And the reason mm. that you can't do that with her, the reason that you can't have her have this big let-go moment, I don't give a shit about anything is because already two songs earlier you've painted her as a homemaker which doesn't really make any sense anyway, but they've painted her as she's the one who brings around flowers and she's the one who sorts the apartment out and she's the apartment mm. the slot her out and she's yeah. the one who does this and she makes it looking beautiful around here. And that is in such contravention with the vibe of this song and what I want to see from Suicide in this moment. So the song itself stands up. The staging leaves a lot to be desired.
0: She's been, yeah, they've put her as cottagecore crust punk by going, well, well, dear, some of these t-shirts had holes in them, so I've turned them into cushions. Uh, And you've (laughs) had this sort of thing so Trashly can get the arsehole about it. And then, I mean, the thing is, the thing that, you know, because uh, it starts off, said, I think I want to deface a street sign, you know, and uh, turn uh, one way into three way and all that kind of stuff. Th- this should not be happening in the slut huts. This should be happening as she's walking around the streets and there should be like a street sign with one way. And then she just spins it around and it's got graffiti three way on it. And then and so these things or even the fatales holding the sign and twisting them. And she's walking around, she's running around the streets, literally knocking stuff over, kicking yes. big trash cans over because she wants to, instead of sort of just lightly pogoing around a table. And, and it's
2: very darling. It's very, it's the most musical theatre darling that this actor is.
0: That also, when you mentioned Billy Piper, they also have very, Justine uh, Magnuson, they've got the same smile. They have got <laughs> the same huge Cheshire Cat grin. Yeah. Uh, uh full of teeth, you know, real real fucking showbiz smile, like Billy Piper has. So they look the same as well, which doesn't help with the uh the songs being kind of
2: similar. Absolutely not. And she's got bright pink hair and unfortunately yeah. instead of any of it reading as punk, it just reads as bubblegum pop. It absolutely reads in the same vibe as that Billy Piper song, you know. It's, it's like just- Why do we sing that song out loud like, because we want to, because yeah. we want to. It just looks like it- that. It doesn't in any way look or feel punk about it. It, it just feels bubblegum pop
0: it's japan era avril lavigne in it yes yeah. uh it's that kind of thing it, exactly that it's more kawaii than it is anything else so and and th- that is not that is that is the fault of direction costume all of those kind of things but it it it, it does it does fail to be what it ultimately could be uh and also having it she she also needs some backing singers. Like the fatales should be singing along with it. Having her just that, Absolutely the, just should be singing in all of it, really.
2: Absolutely. Um, apart Again. From
0: maybe the, the real they should just be doing oohs and ahs. you know. Criminally
2: underused, as I've yeah. said previously. The sure. fatales criminal underuse is is and, and you know what? They they also do that in this hmm. act for one song because they're in yeah. the Bad Decisions song, aren't they? Yeah. Um So, like, why can't they be in this song? Because this isn't, um, because if they were in everything, when you then did have a moment like um, It's a Fine Fine Line in Avenue Q where everything else drops away and it's just one woman puppet singing a ballad, it then hits home even more and it becomes everybody's favourite moment because, you know, because it's beautiful and it's on its own. But, like, we don't... None of that's happening anywhere else. So when it is just her on her own, there's nothing like, oh, this is unique and stands out because there's loads of songs where people just sing and are on their own. But I think that that has got the most empty potential in terms of people going on to sing it at auditions and all that. And And I didn't not like it. I really loved the song. I just questioned the staging.
0: Yeah, there were a few moments like that where, and the finale as well. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But there, there are some bits where, where everything seems a little aimless and they've just been told to vibe it. And don't leave it up to that. Do it because they'll just do the same thing over and over again. They're not going to be investigating new ways of moving around. Just tell them how to move in the first place and make it work that way.
2: Or and hire punk singers or the front of punk bands and have them do it. Who can, who can, who can actually then yeah. move like like punk artists and then it is a little bit more um, organic and it is a little bit more sort of like you know mm. how it should be and more vibey we can't hire a, a bunch a bunch of musical theatre lovers and be like and now move punk for they yeah. will just start walking around the space increasingly uh, until they can make it work and then just keep doing that cuz yeah. cuz they don't know like, they, they, that's not how they're trained. That's not what their movement and choreography training will be.
0: A, a friend of mine is an actress, and she she was in a, a very sort of, a very heavy drama play. And she'd come from a, she trained in musical theatre and all this stuff. And the director just kept on telling her, stop standing like a dancer. <laughs> We've all had <laughs>
2: that bit of direction. Where you're standing in third position, and for some yeah. reason you aren't facing your body to who you're talking to, you're facing it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And moving your head to the side, we've all, uh, we've all been there. Yeah, we've all been
0: there. And no, no, no. She she said, she said, it's just that thing. You, you get it drilled into you so much that this is how you. But when you're there talking about. An abortion or something, you know, when you're in this heavy drama with a sort of, you know, absolutely. all these things that when you're stood there with your clavicle open, it, it, <laughs> that's not how people stand. So, uh, you know,
2: <laughs> don't yeah. tits and teeth the drama. That's no, what. No, no. That's what that the direction no. is. Put your tits yeah. and teeth away. Look sad. Yeah, yeah
0: you don't yeah exactly and uh yeah and like, but we've all
2: been there and it is very very funny because because so often you're trained in musical theater to have open body language even when you're angry everything is big anger nothing is small there's no yeah, small yeah. anger there's no small sadness everything is over the top so going Come on, darling from,
0: we're, we're yeah. playing for the gods they've paid too. now <laughs> Yeah.
2: Absolutely. absolutely it's the uh, drag queen equivalent of painting for the back of the room like yeah, you, yeah. you have to you have to do it for the back of the room
0: yeah even the cheap seats want in so uh <laughs> we have that so we have that and um and as with all musicals after the greatest bit of joy and excitement uh the bad happens so sue's dad finally makes it through to the slut hut and finds her takes a moment to recognize her Tries to take her home while denying that he's a big nonce.
2: And here's what I will say: God bless that actor, because that is a rough gig to yeah. have to do all of that. Like, and he is—he is really committed to the bit. Like, I—I I was like, I was watching it, and I actually—I just thought he's doing his best there like yeah. it that is hard to be that unlikable with no redeeming feature and they don't even necessarily give him any character development his only thing is look at this bad nonce like that's yeah. it that's all he's got to work from and then he has to do that horrendous movement scene in the in act 1 yeah. um surrounding the the sexual in, violence and abuse in, the
3: monsters song.
2: in monsters and and god you know god bless him because he's really doing his absolute best. And I don't mean that in as patronising a way as it sounds. I just mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. with nothing to go off other yeah. than nasty bastard whose only function is to is to t- treat other people like shit. Yeah. That's, it, that's barely a character. That's a series of really sad lines that you have to say. And he's it, really doing his best with it. So it,
0: it, his, God love him. He's embodying the concept of sexual abuse.
2: That's Um, it. it. That's what that character is. There's nothing else there. And even, like, any line that he has outside of it is only ever getting him to abuse. There's no... There's nothing there about who he is. What is... I don't even know that I know his first name. Like, all he is is either Officer Walker or Abusive Dad. There's nothing else there for him. And he's really, really... Not the character, being very clear. I don't feel sorry for the character. I do feel sorry for the actor. I think that that's very... That's really hard.
0: Yes. Um, and he doesn't even get a song. That would be such a bad song. I'm glad you didn't get a song. But um, <laughs> no, song. No, no song. No song for that man. No song for you, thank you. Um, so uh, he, she says, oh, no, they're my family, the real family. And he goes, oh, yeah? Well, the family sold you out. She's like, no. He's like, oh, so you don't know someone called Trashly? And then she's like, oh, she would sell me out, actually. Yeah, you're right. So... <laughs> so <laughs> goes, you know what, Dad? When you're right, you're right. She, <laughs> death, death her on it. You know so, what? Fair cop. You're yeah, absolutely okay. right
2: there. No,
0: he roll in her him. bag, pulls out his own gun on him. Uh, everyone else arrives and goes, there's a fucking cop here. Um, oh, it's that cop. And then they're like, oh, Sue's got a gun. Um, and so there's a lot of back and forth. They're like, oh, he did all of these things. Like, yes, he did. Sue is forbidden to kill him by mom. Mom uh, plays the Dom card and says, Nope, you're not allowed to. She then says, I am. And then deliberately misses him and knees him in the bollocks, <laughs> which, I mean, I honestly thought when she said, but I, cause I, first time I watched it, I suspected there was a, you're not allowed to kill it. Oh, I see. Mom's going to take that. And I thought maybe mom ends up going on the lamb or whatever. Um, uh, but no, she she deliberately misses. He flinches. She knees him in the balls, and then um and then everyone starts to kick the fuck out of him.
2: Yeah. Now the the speed with which we get there, hmm. I don't believe Special Ed has any idea what's going on when they all just start kicking him. Yeah. I think that Special Ed is just like, oh, we're all doing kicking. I'll join in on the kicking. Well, he because- starts it. Well, but the amount of leaps that each character has to make to get to the final bit of knowledge that yeah. the officer who is standing in front of Sue is now Sue's dad.
0: Yeah.
2: I, all of it happens off stage. And I suppose there is a world in which Trashley figures it out and tells Nosmo, and then they all go and find everybody, and they all tell them as they're all running back to the slaughter. I suppose that world does exist. But even in, like, musical theatre world, that is a big leap. Yeah. That everybody just arrives in one location, previously having had no knowledge and now having all the knowledge. That is a bit of a big leap to make. Because I don't think... I could be wrong, but does Officer Walker ever say on stage to Trashley that he is her dad? Because I don't think that does happen. Uh, I think he just says, where's Sue? and she just sells her out. I don't think she ever then on stage goes, oh, my God, Officer Walker must be Suicide's dad. I don't think that moment ever happened. And I could be wrong. I've only watched it once. But I don't remember that moment.
0: I, I I think the idea is that Sue appears to be frightened of cops as a whole because a cop will get her, take her home, and then but she even tells Nosmo that I'll just run away again. So it doesn't seem like this particular cop has any real skin in the game outside of wanting to, you know, find the missing girl. And, and they're like, well, we don't want them. The missing girl we know doesn't want to be found. And we don't really want cops knowing more about us than we need. So that's all the information that is needed. I mean, I can only assume that because she's kept that quiet... That she's not told them because she might she might be worried that they'd kick her out if they thought a cop was coming snooping, Uh like a, a cop who was also her dad. Because they might think, oh well, the cop's just going to give up after a bit. They're just going to assume, you know, yeah. Um, obviously, this cop mm. is not going to give up because he's got he's going to be working on his own time as well as um his work time. But none of this is really said.
2: And I think that that is my problem, is that yeah. so much in this musical is so explicit, so much of it, in every aspect of that word. So yeah. We're told everything up front, everything is I want, everything is is just right there. Like, there's, there isn't really much figuring out that an audience has to do because we're told everything. But then the big traumatic climax, nobody seems to be told anything. So, again, none of the... the The storytelling is happening from the point of view of what the audience knows and not from the point of view of what the characters on stage know. So we never feel the need for all the characters to find out about it because we know at this point that Officer Walker is Suicide's dad. But how do the rest of the characters know that? Because they're never told.
0: The reason that Ed starts off is that Sue says, you know, he assaulted me loads. Trashley says, yeah, he did that to me as well. And that's when Ed goes he like hits him with a bottle or something and knocks him to the ground he's like you don't hurt our girls he hurts our girls because he's he's reacting in the way that his uh diminished um capacity and stuff. you know he's he's very he, he sort of sees a singular thing he's like we look after each other so i'm going to protect and that's when the others go fuck it we can't let Ed get, you know, we're all going to, and they're all releasing Trashly, definitely as a direct. We can assume that he's hassled PD. We, you know, we can assume all yeah. of us have had hassle off him in the past. That is implicit. We know that. So when it, when Ed's got, when everyone's like, well, we're backing up Ed. So that's where Ed starts it. He, I don't know that he's supposed to understand all of the intricacies, yeah. of him, but he's given enough information to know that he needs to protect everyone there. And yeah. that's why he starts doing it. And then they all join in. Uh Whilst this is happening, Sue is obviously watching her dad get the shit kicked out of him. And in spite of everything, that's going to be conflicting because that is how these things are. So from that perspective, I, I think her saying, stop, don't, you know, stop doing that and all that kind of thing. That I don't have a major problem with that. I think that- No, is, I, don't. I don't.
2: I think, all think that's all fine. fine. Absolutely. And
0: PD's just got a bat and is about to, and it's what, it's a real- <laughs> it's a real melodrama thing because she stops PD while he's got a bat like at the, at the apex of its swing and he's about to start really doing some damage and so he's sort of, I don't know if he's unconscious or if he's just sort of, you know in so much pain and shock that he can't move Sue has got it all together tells everyone to split up she becomes mom at this point she's mm-hmm. like everyone split up we'll meet under the bridge in half an hour and that's when she takes her dad's phone, calls an ambulance to the slut hut, essentially, essentially, you know, burning the place down. There's no way that they can go back once that place has been infested with cops because when a cop gets attacked, we know what happens. Other cops are going to turn out in force and try and find that they don't let that kind of thing slide. So we know all of that so this is where we get a little bit uh, we get half an hour apparently where all of these things happen concurrently
2: and i think that this is a bit sad as well in terms of like staging and the kind of the intelligence behind how this is now shown because the the way that everything is now shown now is kind of linear but yes. actually with, with a bit of i don't know with a bit of staging or a bit of thought about it i think what you could do now is show what everybody's doing for this half an hour that really builds to this final moment so that we get yeah. we get a more of a sense of dynamism of what is happening in everybody's lives. I think on the whole, we just stay with suicide, really, don't we? Well, we get
0: uh, Nosmo. Uh, well, we well the first thing we do, the Fatales show Sue uh, her poster and say a sad lady gave them to her. And so Sue calls her mum, who is out handing out flyers. She's sat on a, a shopping trolley. And then there's a, yes. a, a, a a two spotlight phone call where Sue gets essentially gets an apology and acknowledgement more which is what she's more interested in than the apology from her mum.
2: And I actually love this scene. I think this scene is one of the best scenes in it in terms of the writing surrounding stuff. Yes. I think this yes. is where it the script writing is at the best. Um it's not necessarily again it's not pushing plot in any way um but it is really realistic writing and i buy i buy this scene i understand yep. everybody's motivations in it i think it's really good writing i don't think sue says anything out of character no. Uh, we don't know the mum's character at all, really, other than the song, through the song Missing Girl, which is, you know, a really good musical theatre song.
0: We do um, have that little bit where her and the officer are talking and he's like, go home, Sue needs to come, have someone to come home to and all that, and she seems, fr- I mean, she seems sad, but she's also clear, and also in some of the voiceovers, she's like, I wish you wouldn't put that gun on the table. What's the problem? He's like very, he's very belligerent and so we can assume i mean i th- i think we're supposed to infer that there's some sort of domestic problems as well as what's going and and it because we reveal that she does know what's going on she's not an innocent party in it and I yeah. like i i don't know if i said this when we were having some audio glitches but it, sue is more interested in acknowledgments than she is in apology
2: yes yeah, so and she... I think in this moment, everything that Sue just needs to hear that her mum did know, because that was what she thought all along was that her mum did know and she just needed to hear it so she could move on. I think this yep. is like Sue's moment of closure almost. Um, yep. But what well, is in closure, is it? Because I think the mum then says, will you ring every now and again? And I think she says that she will ring every now she and says again. So
0: she will. Um, and I... Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind that too much. I think. Uh, I think a clean break would work. But, but equally, I think in these situations, because I think there is some understanding that Sue's mum is also a victim. She is yes. complicit, but she is a victim as well. So it's not as black and white as her dad, who is just drawn to be an unrepentant nonce.
2: And I think that that is where the sc That's why I think the script is <laughs> unrepentant nonce is funny. I think that's where the script is. This is why the script is strong here because what it's doing is it's very nuanced, it's very complex, and I, and I don't feel it's heavy-handed in this moment. I think it's no. dancing delicately around some quite difficult issues, and I think it does it with success, especially during the um, the phone conversation with Sue and Sue's mum. I think yeah. that that's great. I think I. Th- I like I believe it. I sit and watch it only, uh, only in as far as like musical theatre terms, I believe it. But yeah. I, I believe it. You know, it's like it doesn't feel out of place. It doesn't feel um, shoehorned in, and it feels like the correct progression of the narrative. Sue's missing. Sue's mum's out looking for leaflets. They have a final moment. Sue goes on to live the rest of her life. Like I think this moment is really fitting in what we're being told is Sue's story.
0: It's like, and especially because I mean, at this point. Sue's mum doesn't know that her dad has had the shit kicked out of him. Like, <laughs> no. she, she's going to find out about this, but she doesn't know. She's, she's just, she's getting a phone call on her husband's phone out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh my God, you know, oh, it's you. Cause she has, you know, we can assume that she's like, oh, I wonder what this is about. And then she hears a voice that she's been dying to hear for a month. And, and so she's not that's why she doesn't ask why she's on her dad's phone that's why she doesn't ask anything she's just more focused on that so yeah i think this is a uh it it's these bits of this show that throw the less successful bits into such sharp relief yeah uh where you're like guy you know you can do this that's it's what's like-
2: so baffling to me it's like yeah You are so aware of what a good scene looks like. This is what a good scene looks like. And you are so aware of how to write for these characters. Like, it's so... It's well-written. It's well-performed. The
0: performances are great as well. well, Yeah, really, really good.
2: And part of me wonders, is is it actually... No, I'm not going to take anything away. I think that when the script writing is successful, it is successful. I was going to say, are we being kind because the performers are great? But actually thinking about the wording of it all and the and what they say to each other is it slightly corny yes but also does it work yes it can be both things this is where it's allowed to be like that because Mm. this is where musical theater really plays on its suspension of disbelief and you know and I yeah I just think it's a really successful scene and I was really like as I watched it I was like I'm I think that this musical needs to be given more of a chance and that's what th- it's the reason that i don't believe in like hate watching things because yeah. if i was hate watching it could i have torn that to shreds of course you can you can tear everything to shreds when you're in a bad mood i know that better than anybody so if you've got to go into watching it with an open mind so that you can find these like gems in this story because there are moments like that and this is definitely a gem
0: yeah absolutely agree <laughs> Poser is a stand-up show by Eddie French, that's me, all about punk rock, gender, nerddom and all other things where one is told that they are a poser. If you'd like to come and see it, I'm going to be at Leicester Comedy Festival on Saturday the 24th of February, Grays at LBC Depot, the Courtyard Room, at 6.20pm, that show is free, but you can get tickets online to avoid disappointment. Disappointment. You can come and see me at Glasgow International Comedy Festival on Sunday the 24th of March at 3.30pm at Van Winkle in the West End. That show is £5 a ticket. And you can also come and see me at Brighton Fringe on Saturday the 18th of May, 3.30pm. Laughing Horse at the Temple Bar. And that show is also free. Really, really hope to see you there. Thank you.
1: Thing on that, red. I just think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, sure. I just agree. I'm just like quietly agreeing. I think that Kate's making a lot of great points, (laughs) and I'm really glad that she's on the podcast. Oh, red.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much. That's so kind. (laughs) And I'm I'm consistently fighting against imposter syndrome, so that's really nice to know. Thank you.
0: No, you're all right. There's uh, no impostering here. Um we've got uh apart from Trashley, the little trust fund bitch. Um no uh Trashley poser. Trash. <laughs> Trashley. Huh. Um nice clean nice clean dreadlocks you've got there, Trashley. <laughs>
2: no, yeah. You don't have Wait. much dirt on your outfit, do you, Trashley?
0: What, what <laughs> There's there's a really funny bit of right at the beginning when P D uh, sniffs his own armpits and pulls her face. It's like you look like you've just come out of the shower. I don't know what Honestly, <laughs> really, 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 really what bloody. are you talking about? <laughs> really funny.
2: On that note, when Trashley first comes on stage, she comes on and does a very graphic itch. And that well, yeah. <laughs> from the from the moment that she did that, I was like, I don't think her and I would get on. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I don't think she's my kind of gal.
0: It's uh it's kind of it's it's one of those um that that scratching of herself is not for the benefit of any itch she has it is for the benefit of any passing uh passing normies it's uh freaking out for sure. Story. so um, for sure. speaking of freaking out nosmo is jonesing for a fix to the point he sings a song called no string guitar uh unaccompanied because he has no guitar yeah. Uh this is when Ed turns up and goes, Oh, we're gonna go and he's like, Oh, don't take me with you. I can't he's at his most sort of self wallowing junkie thing. He's like, Um, oh, I'll just hold you all up. And Ed's like, I don't know, you guys have me around and I'm pretty much useless. And was like, Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> and uh and again, we've spoken about how this should have been if we were in the version of this without Ed, this is where Trashley Convinces him to go before she carks it.
2: Yes, that's, absolutely.
0: This is the last thing she does. She the the guy who's in love with her should be saved by her. And yes. uh, this is this is where this is where uh, Marius gets told that where the person who really loves him is, and she has her little fall of rain, and you know, and that's it. It's exactly it's, that.
2: This is she where she little fall down. of rain okay. is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's and it's t- exactly that. I think that why it doesn't work is because it's teed up for that every single thing for me up till now has been leading to ashley doing something now to Mm -hmm. save either suicide or mom or nosmo like ashley needs a what do they call like a retribution moment she needs a redemption moment that's it she needs her redemption moment and she doesn't get it and what all all she kind of does is just keep, now keep going along with a narrative that isn't really hers. Whereas she should be given her redemption moment. She should be given a chance for a cop to come round the corner and to shout, you guys are wanted, everybody stop. And they yeah. all keep running and she throws herself in front of a bullet. She should be given that moment. She should. Yeah. And I would feel very sorry for the character of Trashley because she just becomes... Literally an extra in the suicide and mom story. And she that's ba- yeah. really sad.
0: She basically just sort of accepts being the third wheel. She's like mm. she's like, Oh, I've just been demoted to um I've been demoted to pet absolutely in the, I mean- in the molecule and uh, and and also told yeah but you are allowed some Nosdic if you are in the least bit interested and she's like well, yeah all right mom's like mom, mom, mom literally goes i think that would be a good idea it's like that's like when someone says oh, at a job i'm considering handing in my notice well i think that would be a good idea it's like literally she's she's retiring from mom's favorite, and and it's very very
1: businesslike the way. It's and done. we're back
2: to that sort of is that the right representation of a polyamorous relationship in well, that?
1: Yes, especially in uh, a show which they really have said, and they said this a few times, and I know Mike said it in interviews. But this is meant to be them showing um people who want to be doing this and are are consensually agreeing to like they, they say something about like. um you know, the, these are homeless people who are happy, like with their lives, they, they 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 love what they do and who they are and who they're around, but they don't seem to love their polyamorous situation. They don't seem to be in love with the polyamorous nature of it.
0: Trashley seems to be someone who believes that she is in for the polyamorous thing. And she's like, well, mm-hmm. mom and I see other people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but you see them. Um, it doesn't seem like there's other long term people that they see it seems yes. like literally they hook up and that's very different to someone's like well we're also going to spend the evening together or we're going for a walk or so you know or you know some sort of a quality time thing rather than just the actual hooking up bit of it and it seems like trashley's not got a problem with that because it's the same as you know, that both sex workers. And, exactly uh, that, right. I think. And, I think so. that,
2: yeah, up till now, the polyamory has been we're both in a relationship together and mm-hmm. we, ha- we get emotional satisfaction from each other. But yeah. the polyamorous nature of our relationship is that we're both sex workers. So that's okay because mm-hmm. we're both in this relationship and then we have our clients outside of it, and yeah. that that's how Trashley has seen the polyamorous relationship up until that point. Okay. And even though Mom did say something in that first, in the first act about once trying to shag oh, the- another one of the kids, oh, it and was it was, P- was like it was,
0: it was PD. They uh, they they took ecstasy and tried to have sex, and they thought it was you know, I see you know, um, yeah, and they just say that it was a, a disaster and thought it was funny. Um, but also, I think PD and Mum are a lot closer in age. Yeah. But I, I get the impression that PD is, is older than, yes. than some of them. Um, so they're probably a similar age. So they when they met, whatever age they were, it, it was probably fine yeah uh, we don't need to add to the pile of questionable no maths no that's going on. So <laughs> sorry no this, what, what i was give saying this was one a, give, <laughs> this one a, a probable pass and go ah, so we'll yeah, give, give that, that one on. I, we'll just that. give it a free
2: pass for our own emotional uh, yes. stability at this point we don't um, need
0: more work to do on this so i uh, suppose
2: yeah. my point was is that like the polyamory doesn't really seem to be that mum has sex with all of the street kids. The polyamory seems to be that mum and Trashley are together and then they have external
0: clients. I, I think that in a, a slightly, in a maybe in One Without Ed, where we've got a bit more room to explore, I think we, all we find out about Trashley is right at the beginning when the Fatales introduce her and say she was from a wealthy family and all this stuff. And Sue's from like a reasonably comfortable looking middle class family. Her dad's a cop, we don't know if her mom has got a job. But you know, she clearly she goes- must go
2: to private school.
0: Oh, yeah. Because exactly. she's
2: in a uniform.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So she's doing so she's from a well-to-do background. Not quite as well to do as Trashley, probably. So she's like a middle class background. Trashley is um sort of upper upper
1: it, class. It, isn't it and- isn't it strange like how this this musical seems to have two economic classes? Like you're either a wealthy, you know. Um, upper class, privately educated, you know, young person, or you live on the streets and suck dick for money. <laughs> like that's like yeah, a, yeah. You, you, no in between. You, you grow up in a trailer, and then and then you're on the, <clears throat>
0: and then you're part of the dick sucking crowd, or yeah, you or are, you're in the boardroom. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I suppose we're just dealing with extremes here. We're dealing yeah. with, um, you know, it's one thing or the other. It's very. It's like what a lot of stand-ups do, like, you know, yeah. stand-ups for whom people are either hummus-eating, middle-class, oh, I yeah. say, aren't we left-wing, or they're working-class racists. Uh, naming no Russell Keynes as I <laughs> use that description, but, you know, that's the world that he paints his pictures on, and that works for, and, you know, and... And obviously, when you're doing 20 minutes of jokes, there's a limit on how much nuance you can do. When you've got two hours to fit in this much, there's a limit to the level of nuance. But it's not this limit. There's more nuance available. But some of these things are going to fall by the wayside. But you're absolutely right, Red. There is a a strange binarity of class. But it weird. is it is there's,
2: weird because if you had somebody there who was from a stable background, Mm. but was choosing to be out on the streets. You've then got somebody who exemplifies what you're trying to say about the street kid life. But isn't that
1: what Trashley's story kind of is? Like, she is choosing it to some degree. Sort of, but she
0: got kicked out. She's she's choosing Mm. it as a way of saying fuck you to her parents. And by that extent, every person she says fuck you to... Every dick she sucks is saying "fuck you" to her dad. Wow, in a wow. Way, in the in the way that she's <laughs> take <presented>, that dad, <sighs> yeah, yeah, you like that dad, but you don't. So it's like, but it's like that's the that might not have been the intention, but that's the that's what the presentation of it in this form yeah. does. Okay. So um, to my mind, anyway, I I sort of see her. She's still a brat, and that's why mom being the brat tamer kind of dynamic Mm -hmm. okay she's you know she she behaves when mom tells her to and stuff because she's still craving that guidance that thing as as a you know is, is apparently how people behave so that's the psychoanalysis of all of this i mean i'm and i'm sure that when they first when soma and mike were throwing this around and going well who should we have okay well we should have we should have a, a a gay male sex worker. Okay, great. Okay, yeah, we'll put that down. Now, what could be his background? Oh, okay. Well, you know, re- like pure textbook abusive home, got kicked out. You know, was totally, you know, all this kind of stuff. Okay, fine. And you know, okay, thumbs up. Oh, let's have someone from like a, a an upper class background and all this kind of thing. And these things will have changed over time, and they'll have changed and tweaked the stories. But mm-hmm. again, it's that it's that so many drafts and instead of redrafting the whole thing, they'll just cut out that scene. But these Chekhov's pistols will be left yeah. for it. And we yeah. don't get the payoff because they didn't take them out on the draft as well. And, you know, they are not the only people who do this with their scripts. Hollywood oh, is riddled this kind of shit. So, uh, and other musicals will be as well. Yeah, and- they
2: are. There's, yeah. Lots of, there's lots of it. But um, I just think... I think I think it's exactly what we've already said um, that they're trying to do too much, and I think in trying to do so much, not everything gets hit brilliantly. Yeah. But then I'm sure there's loads of people who incorrectly think that about is and they might oh, think yeah. that about Hamilton. They're wrong. Guess, yeah. but that's a fact, nonchalant.
0: <laughs> I mean, there's plenty. I mean, the main thing to criticize about Hamilton is how it's talking about. How cutting edge and how hip hop is finally making its mark and stuff. And it's like, yeah, because old rich white men said it was okay to and gave it yeah. the money to do so. So you know We have a we have a
2: friend who's a dancer, um, and she's an incredible black female dancer. Mm. And I said to her, Do you like Hamilton? And she was like, I don't like that white people shit. <laughs> and it still makes me laugh yeah. because she's probably right. Like, I think it's brilliant, but then I have a white middle class woman who it, loves musical theatre so of course i love
0: Hamilton. it it's absolutely valid as a criticism and also i mean it's that same thing of um you know the people going well i am uh, i am pretty racy i'm pretty out there i'm pretty accepting i'm pretty kinky i have seen a rocky horror <laughs> well, really you've seen rocky horror in the 2020s Whoa. wow uh, you know and wow. and obviously at the time it was what you know it's yeah. that thing of um it's it is what it is what it is what it is and that's mm-hmm. all good but yeah so we well, we're, we're getting we're getting close here we're we're nearly at the end pd tells john that he's leaving uh john says don't Stay with me. And it's the second time PD has been offered a home that genuinely wants him to be there. And he accepts it. And in and in Red's version of this story, this is a big song. And, yeah. and is and is the focal point of it. And we just have the little epilogue of them leaving on the train. But this is the this is the decision that PD is going to I mean, because also PD, I don't know if we've even mentioned, is short for poop dick which is a very funny thing to say about a gay man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. He says it
0: right right at the beginning. That's why his name is PD. Um, But John calls him Peter throughout the entire thing. Ah. Uh, John John uses PD's given name, and PD does not correct him at any point. And, uh, yeah, so we don't know. Maybe I've
2: misread this a bit then, because I I thought that it kind of came a little bit out of nowhere, that relationship, that that he was, like, staying. He was like, yeah, all right. I thought that that came a little bit out of nowhere. But actually, on reflection, maybe the signs were there all the way through it and I just didn't see them. But then if I didn't see them, that probably means that they weren't very pointed because I do think musical theatre should be a little bit more... A little bit less subtle. I think you should know where things are going in yeah. musical
3: theatre.
0: And, and I think in Red's version, these signposts are a bit more well-lit. Yeah. Someone's gone over them with a wet wipe and uh, and brightened them up a bit. Yeah. So, so yeah, it isn't out of nowhere, but you could be very forgiven for thinking that it was out yeah. of nowhere. Yeah. So, you know, which is why oh, well, we'll get to ultimate feelings on this uh, later on. So he accepts. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so Nosmos jonesing. Um, Ed finds him. Oh, I got that in the wrong order. Um, and so uh, the Fatals then set the leaving scene. Uh, this is called Catching Out. And they just sort of sing about how everything's gone wrong and it's going badly. Uh, so Noz and Trashley look to be preparing for the future Nico turns up and returns Nosmo's guitar um, insane,
2: insane part of this show that, that doesn't
0: I I suspect it's because he feels bad for semi-ratting them out
2: it's, it's not motivated I, I, it's I, out I, of nowhere, it's I, like one of those, uh, I'm going to try and put a bow on this turd Here, here you go. Like it doesn't make any sense that at all. I
1: I think a lot of the last ten minutes are the writers hastily trying to just wrap it up. Like there's there's a lot of things that happen without motivation, because again, and I think the biggest problem is that they're trying to shoehorn in a happy ending to something that is a tragedy.
2: Yeah, hundred percent.
1: The the one bit I do think really works
0: about Nico returning the guitar is um Nos takes it and he's like oh thanks man and then like a junkie he goes you couldn't front me a hit could you like he's like <laughs> like he, he literally junkies up straight away and i thought that's that's actually really really good
2: but the returning of the guitar like
0: yeah.
2: the guitar going was the one moment of tragedy that did make sense in this whole thing it was like somebody so net so needing a hit that they are willing to give up their guitar, their one true possession. Like, I buy that. That's great. Yeah. It's good writing. So to then, it just mean nothing at the end. And just like, yeah. oh, no, lol, here it is. You can have it back.
0: It's basically, like, why? It's, like, it's stupid, it's, daft. It's, the reason they did it is because they want him playing it in the final number. Yeah. And that's the only reason. If he'd said, I heard Rancid are on tour anyway, I'll just steal another. Or anything, anything that said, "I'm going to get a guitar and do this," he just needs to say that he's going to. That's fine. That, that he just needs to go. I don't want to be on heroin, and I do want to play the guitar. I'll find another one. Maybe that's the one that I'll write the songs on. Or any, you know, anything. Any
2: other, it, or it, none of it needs to happen because the finale song is actually slightly removed from the action. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, it's more of a finale walk down. The yeah, the yeah. final song. It's more of a yeah. panto walk down. You know, yeah. Like, everyone's got their happy ending, here we all are, everyone comes oh. out, does a song, bow, go. So it doesn't actually need need uh, it, any reasoning behind him getting a guitar it, again.
0: In the finale of musicals, dead people come back for the final. You know, it, Absolutely. It, it, it exactly. No. He, can have the, he can have the guitar, it's not a problem. It, it, you know. And if someone's going to go, didn't he get rid of his guitar? Nico could give him the guitar, and just as they start singing, it doesn't matter. But no. to have it mm-hmm. as a as a legit... As a, as a canon thing, it, it it does lose the thing. So um, PD reveals that he's staying with John. Uh, the sluts are sad for four seconds, and then uh, <laughs> and then they leave. Um, and also, the thing that annoyed me was the last person there talking to PD was Sue, and not Mom. Yeah. Mom is the one who's got the strongest relationship. Sue should have been out there. Mom should have been the one going. Because she's the one who goes, oh, for fuck's sake. She like, she's like literally heartbroken by this. She's like, well, what? And he's like, just go. I'm going to be okay. You need to be all right. And because they know each other, because they've got this relationship that is the strong or the longest between all of the sluts, we're led to believe, she can, because they're talking about people they've seen come and go in the past. So they're like, he's basically the dad a bit. Yeah. but Yeah. If there was to be a secondary yes. parent, a second in command, it's PD, Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, seniority or whatever. For him to go, you know, I'm going to be all right. I need to know that you're going to be all right. They can do that and have that. It shouldn't have been Sue at the end. It should have been mom because mom's leaving. Mom's leaving, which is what she, she said. I want to take my family on tour. She's getting what she wants. She's got all of these things that she wants, but she's having to give up PD. To do it, yeah. yeah. There's there's an arc. There's a, a sacrifice. Yeah, there's a, a story that works. To have Sue be the one to go. Oh, I'm going to miss you so. You've known the cunt a month. A month. You no, know I mean it's like you've borrowed his hair dye, and that's it. It, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't quite satisfy in the way that mom doing that would. No. So the fatales then go. What's going to happen? Don't know. Probably be all right, weren't they? And it's the, you know, they're trying to reinforce the resilience of these wonderful street kids, and it, yeah, I guess it works. Yeah. Big finish, girls five, six, seven, eight, come on, underachievers, and yeah, then we get the agony of victory. Full cast. Um, there's so much to say about this one number, but um, <laughs> it's it, it's the, it is some of, uh, I mean the. Just a bit of movement training you've got you've got Mom just doing a little pogo around the place i mean if if I never saw that cop playing air guitar again, it would be too soon oh uh,
2: yeah
0: awful. But, uh I cringe my arsehole inside out it was but exciting. that's what i
2: mean the cops back so for the finale why does it even matter about this guitar moment no, yeah, because yeah, yeah, the cops cool. back and now we're all mates what are you talking yeah. about like it, it doesn't need that level of realism and, have a walk out and go yeah. to your finale song
0: yeah yeah so and, and to be honest they do do that and everyone is all right with it and everyone's you know big john's jumping around climbing up the set and stuff but they're all doing it in a sort of aimless way and they just sort of fall into a shape and it doesn't It's a shame because the song is really good and everyone's singing it. It sounds great. Absolutely. uh, The song is banging. It's proper, proper good stuff. And it's totally let down by the absence of any sort of choreography.
2: And and it kind of epitomises the full problem with this musical. Mm. You can't have a no-rules musical. You can't do it. You can have a punk-influenced musical and you can have punk music in a musical. You can't actually have a punk-rules musical because that means that there is anarchy and anarchy doth not a musical make. And so the whole problem with this whole, we're not having a choreographer, everyone's just going to jump around, it's all about vibe, is epitomized in this final number because the song is great. The harmonies are great, the vocal performances are great, mm-hmm. but it does not impact as a musical theatre song because you are not selling it as your musical finale song with the choreography, the lighting, the attention to detail, any of that sort of stuff that is needed for a finale moment. And it's a real it's a real letdown because you want you want them to have their final musical moment and I don't think it happens.
0: It's it's a real shame, yeah. Like you say, because it doesn't feel too dissimilar from any of the other numbers, apart from just the number of people on yeah, the stage. Absolutely, um, that. And you know, and you get the, uh, you get the, you know, they do the bows, and everyone's having a nice day, and all of that's very, very by the books. Theatre, yeah. we do the bows, we go off, we come back on, we do the bows, we go off. Great, and and I, I don't think it builds as much. Because it should really be because this is Nosmo's song in the fantasy of it, so it should be Nosmo comes out possibly with a guitar, and then strums the first few by himself like he's been doing all the way through, and then people join in as it goes, and then and this and that's when people go, oh, this is the walk down. We're getting oh 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 here comes Mom and Sue oh here come oh Trashley's come out to join in with the harmonies here. Here's PD and Big John. Oh, now we got. Oh, now Nico's getting around and applause. Oh, the cop and the mum. Oh, right. Oh, and then everyone's like, oh, it's and it, but it's sort of everyone comes out bam all at once, like starting the show. Yeah. It, instead of that gradual mm, yeah. crescendo of ending a show. I don't know. It also I'm, does I'm need a moment. Like, I'm acting like I've directed tons of successful music. Here. <laughs> I understand this is a, this is yeah. a effect, a but. Obviously, hindsight is always twenty twenty, as we learned from Megadeth. But it that... needs
2: a moment where the music drops out, mm. and they all clap on the beat, and they sing the song in four part harmony, mm. with no music, with NOSMO standing centre holding his guitar, mm. and it looks like uh, a big ending moment with everybody down late in a spotlight and they're all singing it. And then the music kicks back in and then it can go to chaos while people just throw themselves around the stage.
3: Yeah, but it yeah. needs a
2: moment of choreography up until an acapella music break, post acapella music break, chaos and bows. Yeah. And that would make it then feel like a finale, but it doesn't and, feel like a finale because it's too anarchic.
0: And and the song lends itself to that because you've got the na, 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 na refrain yeah, and also the best yeah. thing about that is that it goes to a sort of a key change or a different yeah. chord sequence under it. So when it comes back in, it goes to the minor version of it. But it means that already the audience who've never seen it before can already sing along. I mean, come on, isn't that what people want out of this shit? This is this is Perfect. choice. This is ideal. This could have you know. So yeah, it it's it it's mad. I think. Yeah, so I think I don't know if, if you got any feelings on this
1: as well, Red, or or if you're. Uh, no, I, I completely all... agree. Like, um, I think it's a, it's a little bit messy, and it's a shame because I think that it gets in the way of, uh, one of the show's best songs. Yeah.
0: And it, yeah, you're right, and I, and I, I think that you're right. It does, it does encapsulate in a few minutes, where this song shines, where this whole show shines not as brightly as it could but when it does shine yeah. it does shine and it shines legit not just in comparison to the rest of it which is slightly underwhelming but it yeah uh, and the the little things that could have just little quality of life improvements as they call it in <laughs> yeah. video games, but just these little tweaks here and there that could have cha- you know it just it, it's like the scripts just needed shaking for the loose debris of the previous drafts to just fall out of it
3: yeah I Um, agree
0: and some of those little bits all of the age stuff and the consent stuff could be ironed out and you wouldn't even think about it and it would not be a problem some of these the tonal shifts and yeah I think I think yeah the choreography lets itself down not just in like the upsetting bits like monsters but in the really exciting bits where like because uh, because I want to or Agony of Victory where just a little bit more structure would really elevate everything. And yeah. yeah, And, and so, yeah, so I, so overall, let's go to overall now. Overall, I did like this, but I was going to because I know where it's come from and, and I, and I enjoy all of the, the, the aspects of it. Uh, I mean, I don't dislike Ed as a character, but I like all the characters. I think Ed and the officer are the two that are least served. You don't get any real yeah. anything from them. They're there for reasons rather than character-related stuff, which yeah. is fine. Um, there's, But that's where there are people like the Fatales would just play people who are like, they went over there. You know, you just have them to do those kind of things, and and that's a bit like that. Ed has a couple of moments, but no moments that, because like even with the, um uh, you know, Nosmo could have flipped out and smashed a bottle because he yeah. found out what he'd done to Trashley, and obviously he's very fond of her and that kind of thing. And then everyone leaps in, and it wouldn't have been, yeah, you know. So, you know, Ed was in there. And he had the the Fecal Alcohol Syndrome song that doesn't end up in the show anyway. So even that isn't there. So you would would be losing very little by not having that character there, like we've said. But I think overall, I do like it. I'm glad it exists. I think this should not be its final form. And I take some comfort in knowing that this is very unlikely to be its final form. Mm -hmm. So this is like hearing a demo, I suppose. So yeah. those are my feelings on it. Um but yeah, the bits that let it down are really frustrating.
2: Yeah. I I don't dislike it, mm-hmm. which I know will be an odd thing to say because when it first finished, I know that like it took me a lot of processing to get past some <laughs> of its consent issues and its stuff around BDSM and its stuff around polyamory and the way that those things are represented on stage. I think some of the staging choices, in my opinion, are unforgivable. But I also can see that there is an element of success to them in that I can acknowledge those things are flashbacks and therefore they must be doing something right because I'm not confused as to where we, I ever am in a timeline. So there's an element of success to the things even if I don't like them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I, On the one hand... I'm glad this thing exists. I think that more things like this need to exist. And I think that musical theatre needs to be challenged upon the format that we constantly hold everything to. So I'm glad that it exists because I think that that the format can only move forward. I think the musical theatre only has a future if we start to look at things outside of what we know successful musical theatre to be. And I think that projects like this do push it forward and I think that they make you question like I've questioned loads of things that I know about musicals watching it and now analysing it with you because I'm like oh well maybe that's just my preconceived notion because of all the musicals that I know and love already but is it wrong if it's different and no the answer is no it's not wrong if it's different it's just different and that's okay. The other side of me thinks that what Fat Mike needs to do is not move this forward and instead love it for what it was because he loves it as it is right now and he should just love it as a thing that happened and it was great for him because I think if this goes any further he's just going to have his heart broken and I don't want that for him because Mm -hmm. there's so much good in here and it's so difficult to write a musical and it's like it's the process is heartbreaking and and all that kind of stuff and if he's got it now to where he wants it and he is happy with this output and he loves it as much as he does on all of the interviews i think he should let it be here in its stage format don't take it to broadway don't take it anywhere else don't let anyone else have eyes and hands on it if you're happy with it as the output now let it be for a bit and sit in the joy of it. Because to get this to Broadway, to get this to West End, to get this any further is mm-hmm. going to take so much of pulling it back apart and putting it back together and cutting this and what about this and da 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 and you've got right. to remove this from it and all that. That I just think that by the time it got any higher up, the musical theatre ladder it kind of wouldn't be the project that he recognizes anymore I think where it's at right now it does look different to its concept album but I don't but I think that's fine I think that he is still happy with it my fear Mm. would be is that if it ended up on the West End or if it ended up on Broadway it would be unrecognizable from its concept album and I think that it's really sad when that happens and I think that when you are in musical theatre, you're prepared for that. Lin-Manuel Miranda will often say that, you know, where he started with Hamilton is completely different to where it ended up, and he had to tear it apart and put it back together, but he loves that process. So yeah, yeah. you've got to love that process, and I don't think Fat he, Mike will love that process. He
0: didn't He didn't first encounter that process in his 40s.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: It, yeah. It like after a lifetime of being able to go... These are my songs. This is how we play them. We're putting them on a record. Now we're going to tour, and we're going to do it. and doing all this out of your own record company and and the the amount of control he's and and I, I know I've drawn the uh, the BDSM um, uh, sort of analogy, but you know it, Mike is very specific about when he relinquishes control. Yeah, and, it, and it's generally to a dominatrix because yeah. everything else in his life he appears. Uh, he's he's said himself that he's a workaholic he doesn't really take breaks he's always got something he's got several pots on the simmer and he's always turning one of them up to a boil and you know he's always doing that whether it's doing more with the record company whether it's doing and now he's doing the Punk Rock Museum in Vegas all of these things so uh, whereas I think that probably with something like American Idiots which I imagine it's going to get most comparisons with even Mm -hmm. though that's probably not it's not you know we know why they're getting comparisons yeah because Mm -hmm. another 1994 wave punk band is doing a musical although in a very different way i assume that the people went to green day and said we want to make this a musical and green day went fill your boots we'll let you know when the check clears and it seems like they were less involved in it maybe, than... Um, it's a, it, but well, it's no, just
2: a no. jukebox musical. Yeah, that's yeah. an awful thing to say. It's a jukebox musical, isn't yeah. it? American Idiot is a jukebox musical. Yeah. And that's a very, very different thing to writing an original musical. And whereas this is... Because cause this isn't no FX songs nope. jammed into a storyline that doesn't match it, like, you know, Mamma Mia is ABBA songs jammed into a storyline that doesn't match it. This is... This is something that has been written with a story in mind and these songs should feel seamless to the story. And I think that yeah. part of the problem might be is it does feel slightly jukebox musically in, in its formation and what it needs to feel is a little bit more organic in that the songs come from the story and the story comes from the songs. Yeah. But as it gets further and further away from its concept album... It will feel less and less like what Mike originally had it in his head, and I think the only way to solve that is to pull out some of the topics that are currently being explored in it. Mm-hmm. But in doing that, it stops being the project that Mike wants it to be, and so yeah. I, what I, what I hate is when you have this idea and this concept and it goes in front of other people and suddenly everybody wants it to be something different. And I think that Mike will struggle massively with that. And it isn't fair because this is what he wants to create, so he should be allowed to create this.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I think the problem currently might be with the musical theatre world and not necessarily with, with Mike because I think that everybody has the right to create exactly what they want to create in the way that they should create it. The sad fact is, is that if he then wants this to go on anymore or any further, he will be at the, you know, the will of a producer, and that's really yeah. sad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's, it's reminded me a lot of the film Wayne's World, where, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they have yeah. a thing, and then, and then all of a sudden they've got, like, the uh, the showbiz version of the theme song, and the lights come down, yeah. and they've got, you know. Yeah. And, and, and there's a certain amount of get, it's like, well, we've got all the resources and we need a big ass return on our shit so yeah. all of your characters that you've created and love and cherish we don't really care about them no exactly we care about people walking through here spending you know 200 dollars for the best seats in the house and uh, mm-hmm. buying 90 dollars worth of drinks before during and after Yes, absolutely. And the sad
2: fact is, is that if you've got a character in there that is not doing anything in the show, whether that is its purpose or not to do nothing, Mm. that is a wage you have to pay. That's an actor's wage you are paying every night to do something. That is essentially a nothing ish role. And that's not that special ed is a nothing role. I don't necessarily mean that. I just mean it doesn't serve plot and it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have one big song that everybody's going to love and hook on to. No, so no. why would why would you pay that actor's extra wage? Nothing wrong with the actor, the actor's great, he's doing yeah, yeah. a great yeah, thing. He is
3: great. He like is. I,
2: this yeah, is nothing absolutely. to do with like he doesn't deserve paying. This is to do oh, with no. what's his function in the script. And as a producer, yeah. looking at it purely cynically, mm. just just from from the money point of view how do you get that cast size down
0: you don't you you don't get to have the guy in the mighty mighty boss tones who just dances no in, in this kind of world you don't get um the guy in masked intruder who's just dressed as a cop and waves around a big sign you don't get to do that when the with the overheads being what they are on Broadway or, or in just musical theater in yeah, general, absolutely. You can't have that. That would be maybe someone who works backstage running out and doing it, or one yeah. of the fake pals doing it, someone who's already getting paid, who's yes. going, you wouldn't mind doing this? And they go, well, that does sound like a fun little addition, which you don't yeah. mind doing. And, you know, that isn't a whole other person who is. Whose role it is to lie on a sofa in the back of the room holding a beer bowl.
2: and you certainly that's don't strange. get to do that on your first Broadway show. Yeah, if right, Lynn Manuel right. Miranda went to producers now and was like, "I want to do a show where I've got two characters that do nothing," they'd probably go, "Yeah, all right," because like that's it. But now is it's his first his first show that he's trying to get up and it will be scrutinized and it will be pulled apart Mm. and and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that means it shouldn't exist. And I don't think it means that I hate it because I've, it's been in my brain for too long now for me to ever hate it. I think I'll always love a part of it. And as a musical theater person, love it wrong. But I think that there's a part of me that will always love this a little bit because we've done so much thinking about it. And, Mm. and I don't, I don't ever want it to not exist because it's been a wild ride to pull it apart and figure it out and look at it and put it back together and, and all that kind of stuff. So I there's no part of me that dislikes or hates it. I think for Fat Mike's sake, what I want is for it to just exist as he wants it to exist and not as anyone else wants it to exist.
0: Yeah. I uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot in that that I absolutely agree with. What about you, Red? What are your closing thoughts on Home Street Home?
1: Um, yeah, I you know, like I agree with what's been said. I think that it. Um, I think that we all really appreciate the effort, and I think that we can see the effort, and we've got nothing but respect for it. Mm. I don't think the story really works because I think that they've accidentally written a tragedy that then isn't paid off in the third act, mm. yep. and I think that it would work a lot better. With uh, PD's storyline as the main storyline, mm-hmm. uh, but I would understand the the hesitancy to do so with um, Soma and Mike not being gay men themselves, and therefore having like ha- they haven't had that experience as much as they've had the experiences of the other characters. Yeah, so I, I see why it's shaped the way it is, but I, I think that it would be better served if it was if it was reformed. Um, and yeah, it, it's sad that this is currently the final form i'd like to see more of it and i know that mike would as well but i'm not sure if 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 it will make the jump to a a tv show that 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 seems like a bit of a that seems unlikely to me but i would like to be proved wrong on that
0: sure i mean i think they did there's a couple of videos on youtube they did as like proof of concept ones i think they did like a i think they did a version of three against me with Mm -hmm. like brady bunch style graphics you know the with yep. all the squares and all that, the three by three, um, and like I said, there was a uh, one of Sue's songs, or maybe a reworking or a new Sue song that um, his daughter sang uh, on a uh, on a on a video as well. I think that he was planning on that, and then No Effects announced that they weren't touring anymore, so they were on like a a two year long farewell tour, and when he's not doing that in between all of those tour dates, uh, he's now moved to Vegas and he's doing the punk rock museum. So I think this is at the very least third on his list and probably lower than that because he's also working with the co-defendants on a new record and all of these other things. So my suspicion is, is that if we do get any more home street home, it won't be for a while. I think it'll be quite different to this uh but I can't say whether it'll be better worth, or you know preferable I'm, su- not, I'm surprised know, it halib- hasn't,
1: there hasn't there hasn't been an attempt to make it with puppets <laughs> because I w- I could see that happening I could see there being a puppet studio that took this on and then I could see that being televised or sent to a streaming service. I
2: suppose the difficulty is, is that Jeff Marks, I assume wants to move his name away from puppets. Cause yeah. I think what you don't want to become is the puppet musical person. You want yeah. to have a career that is a bit more wide spanning than that. And Avenue Q was massive. Obviously it was massively successful and it is quite brilliant, but I suppose if I was Jeff Marks, my question would be, well, what next? Because want—I I don't want, I don't want to go and work with them. I mean, that's an insane thing to say. I would only ever want to work with the Muppets. But, like, if I were him, I think I would be like, well, I don't want to go and work with the Muppets or anything like that because I want to kind of get away from being the puppet producer. And I think that I would look for something that's a bit different and something that is, you know, like can have the same vibe and I can put my artistic stamp on, but isn't necessarily puppets. But I take your point that I think if it was done in Avenue Q puppet style, it would open it up. But then that's not what Fat Mike wants because he wants this to be real. Yeah. And, that, and 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 again that's my that's kind of my thing is that you could do loads of things with it like i would say do it in a Fosse style and move all of the music yeah. you know move all of the um do it like chicago move all of the numbers into sort of a completely different out of world experience but the, but again it's not what fat Mike wants he wants something real that's really clear if there's one thing that you can take away that what you know is that he wants something that feels real because there's an element of realism to it
0: he wants to represent the the images in his head, the stories from him and Soma and their friends that they're. Yeah. He wants those things represented because they haven't been. Puppets have already said rude words. Uh, people have already got their tits out in musicals. People have already <laughs> all of these all of these things that were once considered war. They've been done. So, um, and and that's not to say that obviously drug use um uh s- sexual assault all of these things have been done but in this sort of in this way i think the reason and and, and you're right uh, is that you're absolutely right red he's written they they've all written a tragedy but they didn't want any of these people to be seen as tragic which is exactly which is why, which is why yeah. you get that thing of um oh uh, when sue tells everyone what her father did and they're all like, yeah. How about don't be bothered about it? And she goes what? And they go Phew. well. Guess what happened to to this one? That one happened, and they're not bothered. And it's like, and 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 the thing is, is that there is a certain amount of I, I understand the concept of l- allowing oneself to be a victim or, or or a victim mentality or all those kind of things, but to to dismiss that kind of thing outright as a uh, eh, whatevs, we're all too busy. Uh, you know, we're having a great time now. Check this out. Yeah. I'm about to do a drug. You know, it, it, and all that kind of thing. It's it's not necessarily very helpful because that. And that's where I
2: agree with Red as well. In that, like, you're right. It is abstract and it does need puppets. But again, in much the same way that he's written a tragedy that he doesn't want a tragic ending. To me, he's written something abstract that is is a different world is a world that in my it, opinion it
1: d- yeah, doesn't right.
2: quite exist it is avenue qe it is yeah. this kind of like other side of things but again in the way that he's writing a tragi- tragedy that doesn't want a tragic ending he's written something abstract that he wants to be real and i think puppets is the way forward but it's not what yeah. fat mike wants
1: i, I actually no. think he's 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 low-key written a narnia parody yeah, because uh, it, it is all otherworldly right, yeah. and it is nonsensical and I think that right at the start of the the musical that the fatales should lead Sue through a cupboard into home Once Street,
0: a doll more queen in Narnia, always one more <laughs> queen in Narnia to be honest, if someone did a punk rock version of, of the Chronicles of Narnia, I, that would be me I'd be like, okay, well human evolution has provided me with all that I've ever wanted. I'll see you all later. That would be it. I'd I'd evaporate. I'd disappear because I'd have reached, (laughs) I'd have reached Nirvana. Um, But yeah, it is, or it's, do you know what? It's, it's sort of, or more like Alice through the looking glass. Yeah. We've got, we've got Alice. And if they'd use that framework and they sort of have.
1: Yeah i don't know if
0: they're aware of it no, no 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 no. i don't think it's conscious at all but okay but but i think you can draw it And because alice in wonderland and that kind of story is so ingrained in mm-hmm. western culture you just know it already so it just happens without you meaning to so there is a so there is a magical realism to it in spite of the fact that they wanted something that was sort of pure real they wanted like but even something like Irvin Welsh has got like magical mm, realism yeah. bits in it. And that makes Absolutely. it even the more real, mm. you know, it feels more real because it's absurd. Absolutely. And, so, and because you're dealing with shit that people, regu- he's saying, you know, this is what regular people don't know about. You, They can't just be given it as it is. They need a way in to understand it. They need a language that they can use to fully understand it. Because if they haven't experienced it themselves, they're not going to be able to. So maybe that's maybe that's one of the things. Anyway, we've been on about this for such a wildly long time. And, <laughs> uh, and it's really been something. Um,
1: I think the you. listeners deserve some form of medal. They yes. do.
0: And, uh, and the great thing is, is that in a couple of days' time after this comes out, we're going to be talking about the big reveal of what Red and I have been working on uh, with some other people behind the scenes. So we'll let you know. I- a couple of days after this initially goes out that's your treat <laughs> that's your that's your pudding since you've had all this musical broccoli
2: just before we go and say goodbye i just wondered whether i could give a shout out to my dad's band he's in a punk band called the white ribbons and okay. they um they write a lot of music surrounding um Advocating for uh, the removal of domestic violence, and they support a, a charity called uh, the White Ribbon Foundation. There's uh-huh. a lot of stuff surrounding like women's rights and making sure that um, kind of men understand their part in the conversation surrounding domestic violence. Um, and just with you having a punk audience, I just wanted yeah. to give a shout out to them because I think that what they do. Is incredible, and I think my dad's pretty mint. So I just wanted to just say, if anybody out there has five minutes spare and you wanted to go and listen to something by the White Ribbons, please do because I reckon you'll all like it.
0: We'll put a link in the description to where you can find all of uh, the White Ribbon stuff that we can get our grubby little internet mitts on. I believe we have mentioned them before, but not for a very long time. So it's about time they were due another reference. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Kate. Really, really appreciate it. Um, uh, you are the most knowledgeable person we have had on this podcast. Oh no, that can't be true. <laughs> and we're also I including Ali is. Bryce, uh, uh, <laughs> who I understand I got a message from Ali the other day. Uh, I will be quick. Uh, Ali sent a message saying uh, that he has taken up running, which has given him opportunity to uh, listen to more podcasts. And uh, he said that he's been enjoying our one. So, oh, great! Uh, so that's very nice. So uh, shout out to uh, comedian Ali Bryce. Uh, Lovely stuff. Thank you so much, Case.
2: Thank you so much. I'll hopefully see you all again soon.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) And thank you, Red. Thank you, Eddie. And we'll see you all on the outro. Bye, bye, bye. 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 The irony of us pointing out that the second act Mm -hmm. is generally shorter than the first act. Yeah. And then giving you that We know. We get it. We're sorry. Um, But now we needn't ever speak of it again. I'm glad we did. I stand by it. I would not change it because I thought it was proper good fun.
1: We can all mark ourselves safe uh, from the (laughs) two-part podcast episode about a musical. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, when you you say it like that, it does sound like a stupid idea. We should have really... (laughs) Thought this through a bit better.
1: Well, we didn't. We didn't expect it to be two parts, did we? That took us by surprise. No,
0: I think I'd been quite lazy in my analysis, and then Kate really made me up my game in real time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, "That's kind of fun, isn't it? I like the bit where he was singing about being fat and a gay." And then, um, uh, and then all of a sudden, she breaks it all down, and I go, "Oh yeah, no, that I, I should be analyzing that." It it became. <laughs> much more like a sort of one of those, um, we sat down and watched a movie and now we're going to tell you what you think, what we think for longer than the movie. And <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, we, we basically did a little bit of cosplay in these last two episodes. We pretended to be a different podcast for a bit, but in the same uh, content world. So <laughs> ultimately, what do you think of Home Street Home?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it has merits. And I, yep. I think I I... I think I'm happy to say that I enjoyed it a little more than I expected to. I think it's got a little more depth than what um, what I expected. I, I still prefer the, the album to the show. I think sure. Kate shares that opinion as well. It's um, much less of an ask. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's... Um, well, I think that at the end of the day, Mike is, has more experience as a recording artist than he does as a director or a writer. Or, or a theatre practitioner in general. Yeah, yeah a yeah. theatre maker. So, yeah. of course, the album is going to be better quality because that's what he, he knows, it's his bread and butter.
0: Yeah, Mike can express himself through lyrics much better than he can through scripted dialogue. Yeah. And most of the problems come from that dialogue to be honest um
1: you know like i wouldn't want to hear brecht's ep (laughs) you know
0: yeah no i i understand yeah i i i think uh it's like the fall or something awful oh god it would do wouldn't it yeah what are your thoughts on the fall everybody i've heard a few of their songs and i thought they were fine but apparently that makes me very wrong um I've got to think they're tremendously wonderful and better than everything, or dismal. It's, they're the two opinions that the full uh, validate. We'll do the full podcast next week. We'll just do all of their stuff at once. <laughs> There's a lot of it. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I do like it overall. I wish it had been a bit better thought through f- on the non musical aspects, really. Yeah. That's fair. Because most of the problems I have with it disappear when everybody's singing. Not when they're dancing, when they're singing. Yeah, so that that sort of works for me. Anyway, that's it. Draw a big fat line under it and we will go back to the popular in the 90s skate punk that you've come to expect from us next <laughs> week. Listen out for our special announcement on Wednesday or two days after this, or you know, immediately if you're listening on Thursday, whatever, listen out for it because that's going to be very, very exciting. And we think you've very much earned your dessert after eating two two hour helpings of broccoli. So <laughs> thanks so much, Red. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thank you, yeah, bye bye. Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a pick-scraped and fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribe to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.
3: Thank you.